Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Sunday evening, February 11th, 2018. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming from the WBCA NABC studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Inter- uh, Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, Instagram at D3Hoopsville and sla- hashtag Hoopsville as well if you want to interact, though we don't answer questions there. It's only so much that we can follow. Um we also Twitter, email, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Got a question, interestingly enough, to start. How long till we usually get our podcast up? Usually takes us about a half hour to a couple of hours, just depending if we want to do any snags. Sometimes uh, it loads just fine. Sometimes it doesn't. Really can't help you on that one. Uh, I, I Every week is a little bit different. All right. Here we go again, right, folks? Uh, We once again have one of those weeks where we are left with more questions than we have answers. (laughs) Yeah. Who saw Amherst winning the NESCAC regular season? Or at least, what is it, a five-way tie? There are good reasons for double round robins, folks. This would be one of them. Uh, Amherst gets it on a tie break. As Dave Hickson wins win 800. We'll get back to that in a moment. In the meantime, once again, it is a tale of red in Division Three men's basketball as to the number of teams that lost. Let's look at just the top 25. We have four losses in the top five. Uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 losses in the top 20. Uh, three teams lost twice, and that doesn't even count the receiving votes category. Wittenberg took its first loss of the season. Hiram beat them 94-71 on senior day at Hiram. Listen, I know you get up for senior day and all. Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, we might dive into Wittenberg a little bit later with Ryan Scott, but 22-1 now, the third-ranked Tigers taking their first loss to Hiram. Uh, Whitworth took a loss to Whitman. We talked about that on Thursday. They then went into overtime against George Fox, 101-98. Nothing against George Fox, whose women's team defeated Whitman to hand them their first Division Three loss of the season. But, I'm sorry, handed uh, Whit- Whitman their first Division Three, not, not um, Whitworth. But George Fox is a decent team. But I almost feel like Whitworth had a hangover there from Whitman. That's what they call a trap game. The trap game is usually the team coming going into a big game, so you might have to play somebody else before you got a big game and you might be looking ahead. Or the other trap game is you've just played a huge game and you just aren't up for the next one. So Whitworth takes a loss. They're now tw- or takes a loss to Whitman and then nearly takes a second loss. I think that might affect their ranking, believe it or not. Middlebury lost twice, so they beat SUNY Canton early in the week and then lost to Hamilton and Amherst, both on, uh, on the road. Hamilton beat them by 19, 102-83, and then Amherst beat them 80-68, to and that was the game that Amherst clinched the NESCAC title. York College lost again, this time to Salisbury, 83-75. York is losing games when they least can afford to backing themselves into the CAC, you wonder now, to some degree, 
if this could uh, cost them down the road. Williams lost, split the weekend. They lost to Amherst, which is how Amherst won the NESCAC title, and then beat Hamilton. So Hamilton takes another loss, 81 to 67. We'll get to that in a moment. Platteville actually got through the uh, the uh, WYAC this week unscathed. We mentioned beating Stevens Point, and they beat Eau Claire, and easily, no surprise. Eastern Connecticut lost to Mass Dartmouth again after beating Kane State earlier in the week. Kane State's game got moved to Thursday. We were following that on Hoopsville, but then lost to Mass Dartmouth on Saturday, 101-99 in overtime. Similar to Whitworth, you almost feel like Eastern Connecticut was not up for it after getting past Kane State. Swarthmore lost to Hopkins. Hopkins had a huge week. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But Swarthmore won 93, or Hopkins beat Swarthmore 93-91 in double overtime. Hopkins now in a three-way tie with Swarthmore and FNM for the centennial lead. MIT is in free fall. We showed you the end of the Coast Guard game on Thursday's Hoopsville. They lost to Springfield on Saturday, 69-62. They are not the same team without Joe Mard. We'll talk more about them later in the show as well. Augustana at least got through the CCIW unscathed. We mentioned Hamilton beat Middlebury on two, on Friday and then lost to Williams the next day, 81-67. Lycoming lost to Stevenson, 71-68. Illinois Wesleyan, who did lose to Wheaton earlier in the week, at least beat Carroll on the other end of things. Stevens Point. We mentioned lost to Platteville, got back off the off of that with a win over Stout, but Whitewater not so lucky. Lost to both Oshkosh and River Falls. They're now 16 and 7. And I need to double check, but there's something like five and five in their last 10. F and M also had a week similar to Swarthmore. They lost to Hopkins earlier on. Hopkins beat two top 20 ranked teams in a week, both games in double overtime, both games at Goldfarb Gymnasium in Baltimore. And then FM barely got past Washington College at FM. Normally that game's on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. I get it, but it wasn't. 65 59 was the win for the diplomats there. The rest of the top 25, 21 through 25, not bad. Oshkosh beat Whitewater and Lacrosse. Wesleyan had a good weekend, beating Amherst, Colby, and Bowden for the week. Worcester got past Allegheny and Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan is in tr- deep trouble. John Carroll beat Baldwin Wallace and Ohio Northern. And Hobart beat Skidmore and Bard, and Skidmore, another team that's disappeared off the radars. Salem State had a good week in the receiving votes category. Plattsburgh had one. Cabrini had a good one. Emory and Henry's in free fall. They're 18 and 5. They now lost to Guilford and Randolph Macon this week. Marietta got through the week unscathed. Nichols, it seems to maybe have gotten their mojo back, um, winning pretty easily in a lot of games. River Falls. Lost to Stout and then beat Whitewater, as we mentioned. Juniata lost to Moravian. That's their fourth loss in conference play. Ohio Wesleyan lost both games to Hiram and Worcester this week. They are now 15-8. and eight. They're not getting in. This is a team we saw in Vegas who was so darn good. They will not make the NCAA tournament unless they win the conference tournament. Plain and simple. St. Olaf had a good week. And speaking of which, we should back up to St. John's in sixth. In the national rankings, 21-2. and two, Beat St. Mary's, Carrollton, and Augsburg to clinch the MIAC title. First time in 12, at least 12 seasons that someone named not named St. Thomas has won that regular season conference. Congratulations to them. Ramapo lost to New Jersey City. New Jersey City at least got through the week unscathed. Ohio Northern had a split week against Heidelberg and John Carroll. And Keene State lost to Eastern Connecticut on Thursday, as we mentioned, but at least got back and beat Western Connecticut 
which just makes the LEC, the Little East Conference race, back to muddled. Lehman uh, is 20-4. and four. They beat Medgar Evers in Staten Island. Maryville at least got through the week unscathed, and so did Sol Ross State. That's the men's side of things. We mentioned Hopkins. I'm sorry, we mentioned Amherst, and we mentioned how um, that was win number 800 for Dave Hickson and the uh, NESCAC title, or at least a tie. It's tiebreaker gave it to the Mammoths. Certainly a surprise. Amherst Athletics asked Dave about it afterward, and we have his some of his sound after the win on Saturday over Middlebury. You come into this weekend in the middle of the pack in the NESCAC, a very competitive conference this year. Um, you pull off wins over two top ten teams in the country to claim the number one seed. Did you ever think that this would be possible at the end of the weekend? Well, I did think. I think. You know, I, I, I thought and I dreamt. But, you know... I kept pinching myself and saying, like, hey, calm down. And, you know, but, but we had a goal, and we, and we realized how close we were. And we had something tangible we could grab onto. And so the two nights we came out and just played so hard and so well. Finally, we have to talk about your personal accolade. Today you won your 800th game as a coach. What does that number mean to you? It means I'm old. You know, it means that, you know, now I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want people to mention it. I didn't tell anybody. I knew it was there. My, you know, so many people asked me, and, you know, because I want to get it done with you. You don't ask a guy when he's pitching a perfect game or you don't say, hey, you only got three more outs to go. And so I didn't want to count down. As you know, you respected it too. Everybody respected my desire for, you know, everybody being quiet because the two games we won this weekend were far more important. And uh, 800, if you're in it long enough, God bless you. I hope everybody can win 800. But, uh, yeah, I, the 800 have tons of memories, tons of memories. And those are the things that I'm so proud of. So congratulations to Dave Hicks and his team again is, uh, or he should say, is win number 800 for the head coach of Amherst. He is third all-time active coaching in Division Three men's basketball. Glenn Robinson leads the way at F&M at 949. Steve Moore at Worcester is 819, so Dave's 19 behind that. Then it's a steep drop-off. Nothing against Randy Lambert at Maryville, but he's at 696. Mark Edwards at 682. Not sure if either of those guys will ever catch those uh, three ahead of them. Uh, and the next question is, especially for a guy like Glenn Robinson at F&M, when might they wrap things up? I have a feeling Glenn has his eye on a 1,000, just a gut feeling on that. But Glenn is now the, uh, the old stalwart in the centennial as um, the younger and younger coaches are now taking over that conference. We'll keep an eye on it. should be fascinating to see. But hats off to Dave Hickson on win number 800. And again, Amherst beat um, Williams 72-57 on Friday night and beat Middlebury at home. And it, it just, it, it was crazy. Uh, they went from two games out of first place in the next SCAC to now hosting the upcoming playoffs. And remember, those playoffs start next week with uh, at-home series, and then they'll go to Amherst for the whole thing. Um there's two or three conferences. I think it's three conferences who are starting basically this this week. USA South, especially on the women's side, I believe starts Wednesday with their conference tournament. Then next weekend, the NESCAC gets started along with the CUNYAC. So we are getting conference races getting going here. Um, it, but it's it's just, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, on Saturday, seven teams in the top 25 took a loss. Uh, there is a lot of red on the top 25, and, and I don't even know where I sit with things. The question becomes, what do I do with Wittenberg and Middlebury? What do I do with some of these other teams that I just don't think are, are playing all that well now? On the women's side, it was a little less red, but still a little bit jarring. 
Whitman took their first loss, as we hinted, to George Fox, and it wasn't really all that close, 80-68. to 68. I had a feeling talking to Michelle Ferentz on Thursday's show that she feared George Fox to some degree, talked a lot about George Fox on our interview, and uh, maybe it went to prove something as they lost that game. Illinois Wesley, we mentioned, had lost to Wheaton earlier. They at least got back against Carroll. Uh, but Ohio Northern took a loss to John Carroll. John Carroll beat him 68-66, also on senior day. An interesting uh, development there for Ohio Northern in the first conference loss of the season. Muhlenberg had a rough week. Haverford beat him earlier in the week, and then Gettysburg clinched officially, though they pretty much had it wrapped up on Thursday. Gettysburg won the, the regular season in the Centennial with a win over Muhlenberg and a sweep, 71-70. Muhlenberg with those two losses, though, is still only 20-3. and Mules feel like a team that could be really good if they're clicking on all cylinders, and I don't know if I've seen them clicking on all cylinders this season. I feel like they're, they keep missing something, uh, even when they've won 20 games and only lost three, but they clearly had a rough week. Oshkosh lost to Whitewater early in the week. We mentioned that. They at least got back into things with lacrosse on Saturday with a win. And Montclair State has now lost two of their last three. You might remember last Saturday they lost... I think it was to Stockton um, for the first time in the season and something like a huge 14-game, 15-game winning streak came to an end. They beat New Jersey City in the middle of the week, 92-12, for what it's worth. But TCNJ tripped them up 62-59 on Saturday. And then those receiving votes, uh, Juniata lost again. Wash U lost to NYU, 82-79 in overtime, I believe. And that does clinch... The UAA for Chicago. Chicago women, the first team to button up an NCAA tournament berth. Remember, the UAA does not have a tournament. Um, they give their automatic bid to the regular season winner. They're the only conference in all of NCAA basketball to have that now. And so Chicago, the first to clinch the bid into the tournament. Mary Harden Baylor lost this week. Rochester Tech lost twice. Lost to Ithaca, which we talked about on Thursday. Beat Vassar and then lost to Skidmore in overtime, 70-64. to So the Tigers at 18-5, and kind of not doing well, or at least as well as we would expect. So that's kind of how things shook up. There's a lot of conference what-ifs and such going on. We have regional rankings coming out here in just a couple of days. Remember, data for regional rankings goes through tonight. So when the regional committees get together on Tuesday and the national committee gets together on Wednesday, the results, the data, the win-loss percentages, all that is through today. So any result that might take place Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday for those regional rankings is irrelevant. It is through today. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is results versus regionally ranked opponents is now a factor that is going to shake up a lot of uh, regions. In the Mid-Atlantic region on the men's side, it's certainly interesting. Um, I'm not sure what to make of all of it. I do get a sense the National Committee may have made a move in there to adjust what the Regional Advisory Committee had made. And a reminder, the Regional Advisory Committee is just that, advisory. They don't make the polls. The National Committee does. They advise, and the National Committee made a change. I don't know, for example, I think I talked about this Thursday, if Swarthmore and Lycoming, if they were looking at those two, if they went to secondary criteria. Because if they did, they would have given it to Swarthmore. That said, Swarthmore is going to be 2-3, and three, I think, against regionally ranked opponents this year, or this week. Hopkins now enters this conversation in the region. They could jump up pretty high, especially after Lycoming takes another loss here. 
because their results versus regionally ranked opponents is going to be pretty good, especially against two others who are in those conversations, and that's FNM and Swarthmore. So fascinating, you know, how this will all play out. You should expect to see a lot of teams jump, not only because of losses, but because of this criteria now in play that we didn't have last week. This week's regional rankings will give us the best sense of who may be in the best position to host, who may be in the best position to get into the NCAA tournament, uh, should they take a loss in the conference tournament, and who really needs to go win their AQ. Ohio Wesleyan, I don't need regional rankings to know that. They're 15-8. and eight. They have fallen apart since we saw them in Vegas, which is shocking to say the least, considering how well they played at the D3Hoops.com Classic, beating Ramapo and then beating uh, and then losing to Whitman by two in overtime. Since then, they have lost six games all in the new year. They have lost seven since that Whitman game in 13. So they are six and seven since we turned the corner. It's just mind-blowing how how rough it's been. They've got Wittenberg and Allegheny ahead at home. In the standings, they are sitting tied for third with Hiram. Of course, they split with Hiram. They most likely will stay in that area, but now they need to make up for some problems. They're going to have to win the conference. They aren't going to probably they aren't going to catch up to Wittenberg's. We already know that Wittenberg's going to host the, the NCAC tournament. But Ohio Wesleyan is going to have to do some damage nonetheless. The other team we were talking about who has been in free-for-all, especially since entering the conference play, has been Whitewater. And maybe this is an example of buying into Whitewater a little bit too much this season. They don't really have anything that jumps out at you and says, oh my gosh, they're good. And maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more. But they have now lost three of their last four, five of their last eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games they have lost six. So Ohio Wesleyan six and seven in their last thirteen. Whitewater is five and six. Uh, bye bye. Whitewater, for some reason, I still have my top twenty-five. I, I don't know why. I'll freely admit it. I don't know why. Um nationally, they slotted in where were they were like middle of the pack this week. Am I wrong? Now they weren't in the top 25, so I, I don't think they were. Where were they? Oh, sorry, I'm losing them. There they are, they're 19th. So really interesting scenarios, to say the least. We'll see how this all plays out. Top 25 comes out on Monday. Um, regional rankings come out on Wednesday. We'll see how this all plays out in the long run. To say the least, it's curious. Um, <laughs> Pat noticing the way the microphone works with my shirt and sweater here. It looks like I'm wearing a black tie. Well, that's not bad. I'll say I'm dressed up for this occasion. Um, yeah, a little bit different. Um, let's see. Andrew asks, next week, will you talk about the brackets? When will you do the brackets? Hope. How about Hope? Do you think they will win the MIAA? Um, Andrew, I'm assuming, which Hope, men or women? Um Brackets, listen, it is hard to talk brackets at this point because, I mean, we could talk a little bit about them, but there's so much at play. We really talk brackets in two weeks because we'll know the teams that are in automatically and we'll know who we think or we'll make our guesstimations. 
as to who we think will be in the NCAA tournament. Now, next week, or on Thursday's show especially, but even Sunday's show, we can certainly talk a little bit more about who we think may be hosting. Now, a reminder, women have hosting rights in the opening weekend this year. So any of you out there who have teams that are playing well on both sides, i.e. Whitman, um, keep that in mind. Um. But it's hard to start putting. I mean, what do you mean by what are we gonna, are we going to talk about brackets? In what sense? I guess would be the better question. Back to you, Andrew, to, to understand exactly what you're looking for there, uh, to give you a better answer, maybe on what we will or won't talk about. Uh, Got to take a break. We have a lot of guests ahead of us. Uh, speaking of which, I want to make sure our Twitter account. Yep, nothing going on. Uh, lots of good guests. We're not going deep on the guest column today, but we do have a bit to talk about. We're going to start things off by heading out to the Central Region. We'll talk to Ripon women's basketball coach Lauren Johnson here in a few minutes. Then we'll head to the Northeast, talk to Roger Williams' women's coach Kelly Thompson. Then Cliff Carroll will join us from Saul Ross State. And then Ryan Scott will join us for the Top 25 Double Take segment. It's back after a week hiatus. Leaving a little bit of time so we can answer as many questions as you have. And again, Andrew... You ask, will Hope win the MIAA? I will use that, nothing against you, Andrew, as an example of you got to be specific with me asking men or women. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. In this case, it's not. (laughs) Um, I want to see what you're specifically asking, and I'll try and answer it. But in the meantime, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will go and talk to Lauren Johnson here on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, we got time tonight to try and answer them. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can always, um, I always suggest email and Twitter, all that information on the bottom of the screen as it scrolls across. We'll do our best to get to your questions this evening. All right, so talking women's basketball, great story came out a few weeks ago about how the Rippin' women's basketball program has come from 2-21, and and the senior class now enjoying a really heated Midwest Conference battle. They are 15-7 and and 12-2 and in conference play, tied with Cornell at the top of the conference. I've even used that article for my alma mater, who is having one of those 2-21 and type seasons this year. What does it all mean for the conference? What does it all mean for the team, especially? I mean, how good are they? And is this the right medicine, as it were? Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem. As soon as I get the shot up, for some reason, it doesn't like us today. Hold on. This is one of those quirks with our programming. Here we go. Uh, joining us on the Skype City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Lauren Johnson, head coach of Rippin. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, 2 and 21 both probably feels like a really long time ago, but at the same time, this 15 and 7, 12 and 2 season probably feels like uh, a dream in comparison. Sorry, Coach. Go ahead and answer that again because somehow I had muted you. So we'll, we want to hear it again. Is and, and again, it's that two and twenty-one tough to deal with, but you're in a dream season in comparison. Yeah, you know, we never really forget that season, um, and that's part of sports. You know, we use it to motivate us every single day, uh, and just to prepare and to have fun and to kind of keep the main thing the main thing. Hopefully. It, I've been through an 0 and 17 in soccer season in soccer. I know how tough those seasons can be. At least our 17 games were relatively competitive, which didn't make us get down on ourselves. How hard was it to keep the team motivated in a season like that with the idea of listen, this can we, we can build from this and then in reality keep those players on the team with the idea that you can build from that? Yeah, I think it's just constant conversation. You know, we talked a lot about just trying to get a little bit better. And with a young team, uh, with any team, you know, that's a goal of every single day. And um, it's it's hard, but sports are hard at times. You know, it teaches us a lot about ourselves. It teaches us a lot about life and in a very simple setting. So, you know, you can't over communicate about those things in that situation. And uh, managing expectations is hard normally uh, in that year. You know, we had, we had a lot of expectations, um, both from the inside and the outside, that we had to try to manage. And, you know, we did some of that okay. Um, you know, and luckily, we've gotten better with that as well. Yeah, obviously, we talk again about this senior class uh, being the ones who are there that 2-21 and 21 season. I'm sure they look at some of the 
teammates when they're struggling or you take a loss that just stings a little bit and goes, hey, listen, yeah, this is nothing. We we, we can recover from this. Yeah, that's what's great about our class of seniors is um, they've kind of experienced almost it all. And so they're good resources for our young people that come in, you know, each new class. Uh, and they've also, you know, they, they're able to set a really good example. Um, and so that's what we depend on them for. Um, and they have that perspective that sometimes that's the hardest part about getting a group of people to work together, I think, is just reframing perspective and getting on the same page. And they've done a really good job of that. It also us. probably helps that you go 14 and 10 the very next year, 17 and 7 last year, and on pace for a better season this year, this year especially in conference. The season started off a little bit rough, went 3 and 3 to get out of the gate, and then lost a couple of them in December. Of course, Stevens Point being a tough team in that in that grouping but then you you seem to been catch your stride there for a while in in november or sorry saying in january um st norbert and lake forest tripped you up as of late but you really seem to have almost a, a turning of the corner in the new year yeah you know we try to schedule pretty tough non-conference wise we like to play against good programs to see what we can do and also uh to get a little bit better we think that's the only way we're probably going to elevate our program is by competing against some of the best in our area and we're very fortunate in Wisconsin uh, to have a lot of schools that are really really good and a lot of programs that can challenge us on a year-to-year basis so uh, that's kind of what November and the beginning of December are about for our program what they have been and then hopefully that gets us geared and really firing by the heart of the conference season which takes place in January and February. Of course, the other caveat to all that was that you know, St. Norbert had to give up 10 games of the season and not play. It didn't affect you guys. Um, interestingly enough, uh, you have a game, though, you just played against them. Does it? I assume it doesn't change this, but does it change the fact that it wasn't a conference game in some degree? Um, you know, I, I don't really know, Dave. There's a lot that goes into, I think, games and focus and stuff sure. like that, especially this time of the year. And um, I, I hope it didn't. You know, we were uh, we were missing one of our one of our best players, Maggie, the whole second half. We just you know we were up by 17 in the third against St. Norbert, and then St. Norbert, you know, they they kept the pressure on, and we had unfortunately we had too many turnovers, and we put them on the line too many times, and we missed too many baskets. So uh, that's kind of it seemed how just that week went for us. So that was disappointing, but they're a good program and. Uh, they did kind of what we expected them to do. We just didn't really step up to it at that moment. Got an interesting quirk on the schedule. You lost to Lake Forest after that game, then beat Lawrence in a really low-scoring affair, 40-34. to You're going to face Lawrence coming up here on the 13th in two days. Your sandwich in between was Illinois College, so in a little bit of a quirk there of familiarity. Do you expect that 40-34 to game again, or is was that just kind of a weirdness of the of circumstances? Yeah, we uh, you know, Lawrence is always a tough place to play, and they're they're they've grown as a program this year as well. So, uh, you know, Coach Wellman's doing a great job uh, with the Lawrence program. They have a couple of really good freshmen, and the returners are just experienced. You know, they're the oldest that they've been to um, over the past couple of years. So, uh, that's a tough place to play, and we kind of expected to grind it out a little bit. Um, you know, hopefully we have we have one of our starters that returned on Saturday. Um, hopefully she's healthy again this week, and that's you know we're just going to try to keep getting a little bit better. You know, it's conference; everybody's kind of yeah. 
attention at each other this time of year. And it's certainly the rest of the season has a lot on the line. You have three games left. You're still tied with Cornell uh, in the conference lead. And I know coming through uh, the stores or would be important to you guys to try and control the conference race to some degree. Um, is that even something you're having a conversation with this team about, especially considering the tiebreaker right now is in Cornell's favor? Yeah, you know, we we just want to maximize our moment, our moments, I guess, Dave, together. You know, it's we want to keep focused on the present moment. That's really tough normally, I think, just as a as a normal person, but especially as an athlete and then uh, with a group of athletes, too. So that's what we're trying to do. We want to take one day at a time and get a little bit better, hopefully, um, and and keep trying to find our new best. And so. If we can focus on that, it's a big week this week, just with the end of conference, and we have senior night on Saturday. So, uh, you know, it's a bit, it's a big week for the people in our program and also across the nation. And uh, we're just going to try to keep focused on the next step ahead of us. I should take back. I'm not even sure if if Cornell's in the driver's seat on the tiebreaker. As I double checked, you guys have split with them this season, so uh, it goes beyond that. And we don't have all the conference tiebreakers in front of us. It's too complicated. Um, let's talk about this team to some specifics. You have, we talked about the senior leadership, but juniors leading the way in scoring. And Maggie uh, Oyman, uh 12.8 points a game, seven rebounds a game. But it is the seniors. And Emma McDonald at 12 points a game, five rebounds, uh, one of your top assist leaders as well. And Eleanor Mueller, eight and a half points a game, five and a half rebounds a game. Those are your two seniors. So not surprisingly, I think, with the turnaround of the next season, you have a junior there who's making an impact, but it is the seniors who are certainly stepping up. Yeah, you know, we depend a lot on we depend a lot on our returners. So we're lucky enough to have some uh, our freshman class that's pushing the envelope every single day too. But yeah, the seniors have done a great job um, just showing up consistently and working hard and setting the tone every day in practice. Um, Maggie and our juniors, you know, they've um, we started winning, you know, that year that they came into the program as freshmen. Uh, and so they're a big part to what we do as well as our sophomores. You know, it, it, basketball team takes everybody and this time of the year as well. So uh, we'll keep depending on them, our returners and our new people to just try to become the best team that we can with the time that we have left together. What's the, the I mean, we see the statistics and we, we mentioned those three, but what makes this team click and what what makes it work so well, at least this season? Well, it, I hope it's the competitiveness, you know, and that, um, you know, they, they want to experience and they want to go after their new best, our new best as a program. And I think that means a lot to everybody in our program, uh, senior on down, you know, the juniors, sophomores, and our freshmen, and you know, they want to they want to figure out what else is there. You know, they've accomplished a lot. You know, as a senior class and juniors and sophomores so far, and freshmen, and you know, there's still some steps that we haven't taken yet, and that's where we're at as a program. You know, what's going to be our next big step, and you know, this week is part of that. Um, so I I think they're collected on that. You know, that um, what else can we do? What else can we figure? You know. How much better can we get? You're certainly willing to go deep on the bench. 13 players have played in almost every single game uh, and get significant minutes, about a quarter of every game. You're willing to go deep, and I know that can be a benefit for sure, but it, can it also be a bit of a challenge to make sure you keep everyone fresh? 
Well, yeah, I think there's a battle to both sides, like you mentioned, Dave. Um, you know, the beginning of the year, we were just looking for a lot of consistency. Uh, we've got a bigger roster. Uh, and so, you know, that competitiveness, we try to work out every single day in practice, uh, evaluation-wise, of each player in our program. So, um, fortunately, I think it's a good thing. You know, we want to be able to be competitive every minute in every possession of every minute of every game. And so... We're trying to use that to our advantage uh, at this point. We hope that helps us, you know, as as hopefully the season continues um, in regards to mental and physical fatigue, uh, that we're, we're playing people that are making an impact, and we're depending on a lot of people to do that every single day. So uh, hope it helps us. I noticed, I think, someone might be shooting free throws behind you. I'm hoping it's one of your players because I would say if there's a flaw – it's the 58% from the free throw line that I notice on the stat sheet. It, I'm, I'm sure that drives you insane. Yeah, I think as coaches, we always have a couple of things that drive us nuts. <laughs> but yeah, free throws and you know, free throws and turnovers have been um, things that we just are constantly trying to get better at, and they've kind of been you know they've kind of been jabs in our stomachs most games, unfortunately. So and we'll continue to work on them. And part of that's I think focus hopefully, um, and just us getting better at focus and maximizing those opportunities that we have on the court. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, it's not a women's basketball player, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe they're in the practice gym. Maybe. Um, I should. Yeah, there we go. They're, they're definitely there, Coach. They're definitely yeah. there on a Sunday night. Um, yes. Again, two games with Lawrence and Knox coming up, still in this conference race. Even if you finish second, I assume it's a win, as it were, considering – the turnaround with this senior class. And I know that senior night against, I assume it will be Knox, will be a, a, an important day for you guys. But do you have a message with this team at this point? Are you trying to drive something home with them? Or is this about just, um, they already know the message, in other words. They already know what needs to take place. Yeah, you know, I I, I think, they, I'm, think they know. You know, I'm not good at reading minds, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, most of the time. Um, but, you know, we really are, Dave, we're trying to just, we're trying to focus on the present moment and that's what we're trying to drive home as much as possible. You know, there's a lot of people asking questions and stuff like that. Where are you going to be? What do you need to happen? And, you know, we just, we just want to get a little bit better today. And that's, it's, it takes a lot of discipline and it's really hard. Um, and that's, you know, it's a great habit for our, our people to learn, to try to, get better at, you know, and try to make as a habit of their daily lives is just maximize the moment that we have in front of us, uh, specifically in basketball. It's just it's too fast paced. It's too high skill of a game to not do that. Sure. Um, and so when we can do that, you know, when, when our players can do that consistently, um, they have fun and we have fun together and we're able to do uh, some pretty cool things. So that's, that's, that's really the only message we care about right now. Uh, before we let you go, we should point out, played at Clark, uh, had an assistant tenure at one point at, at Coe College. Uh, I think he even had some time at, at, at uh, Loris in Dubuque and East Texas Baptist uh, down in, in Texas. You've seen some time around, especially in Division three schools. Does that help you relate with this team to some degree and say, hey, I've been in your shoes. I used to be a player myself. Uh, I, I get the challenges that, that are ahead of us in conference play and whatnot. Uh, or have we gotten to a point where the players are like, yeah, coach, you're just coach? Yeah, I, I don't, honestly, I, I don't know, Dave. I don't, I don't know if 
players today always want to hear about what you did as a coach. It's, kind of, it's really tough to relate, I think, to, you know, I use um, my assistants do a great job. Dave and Jesse do a great job. My dad and Jesse do a great job just helping me relate and remembering that sometimes I get over competitive, probably um, over competitive, you know, just not. And that's not always what players need. Unfortunately of course. So sometimes I just need a teacher and a coach and it really doesn't matter what my experience was. I hope I can relate to him in knowing that what I'm asking him to do um, is doable. And that's what I hope at the, you know, um, deep down, I hope they can always remember that, that it is doable, that we're not asking them to do anything that we wouldn't uh, ask anybody else or that other division three programs um, in the nation, um, you know, we're asking them to do the same things as everybody else. And so uh, I hope we relate to them and I hope they can get something out of that. Um, There are a lot of times where I need to forget about (laughs) being competitive and just be a coach and be a teacher and and be somebody that that, uh, focuses first and foremost on what they're getting out of it. Um, And that's something that I have to work hard on. And luckily I have a lot of people in my life that – do a really good job of reminding me about that. Speaking of which, there is a Dave Johnson as assistant coach on the bench. Uh, I think I heard you say it. I assume your father. Yeah, that's my dad. So we've talked about that with a couple of coaches. What's it like to have your father on the bench? You know, I'm very unique. He keeps me grounded. He was a teacher and a coach for 30 plus years. I should remember that because I'm his daughter, but should remember (laughs) specifically, but you know, it's a, it's a unique experience. I've got a great family and that uh, helps me, my assistants, you know, you want to surround yourself with good people. And I think that's a big part to this program at Ripon College is that there are a lot of really great people um, that are tied to the past that are still very present today. We just had our alumni day yesterday and over 30, you know, about 30 alum uh, came back and so both former head coaches are very involved and you know my assistants are part of that too they help they help this program every single day they give a lot they both have their own families as well you know it's it's great to have my dad around um, it's an experience that's very unique um, there aren't a lot of 32 year olds you know working with their dad every day and that's um, that's been awesome for me. He's helped me be a better coach and a better leader. And that's what I need my assistance, both Jesse and him for every single day. Um, there are some who, who would probably envy your position. I would say there's some probably 32 year olds who don't are glad they don't have their dad on their bench. I don't know. It can work both ways. Um, but all the stories we hear have always been fond and, and, and good. And we and congratulate that and congratulate the team. Terrific turnaround, uh, per se, over the last few years. And, and in the conference race, it can't get any better. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. Good luck in the last two games of the regular season in the conference tournament. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, thanks so much, Dave. We appreciate you. Uh, all of Division Three appreciates you. So thanks for taking the time and shedding a little light on our program as well and just all that you give. You know, to Division Three women's and men's basketball it means a great deal. Well, Thank thanks, you. Coach. I appreciate the kind words. Like I said, good luck. We look forward to seeing how the uh, how the team does the rest of the way, and at least enjoy it. I know you will, but I, I just like saying it anyway. Yeah, thanks, Dave. We will absolutely. Thanks. Lauren Johnson joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Skype Hotline. Uh, Ryan uh, Rippin Redhawks are 
15 and 7, 12 and 2, two games left. Got a couple questions. We will tackle them when we get back from the break. And we'll also talk to Roger Williams as women's basketball coach. You listen to Hoops, so presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday. Got some questions I want to get to real quick, if I can. One of them comes from Mark. He asks me, with a chance, the Lady Royals, he's talking about Scranton, stay number one in the Mid-Atlantic region. I don't see any reason they wouldn't stay number one at this point. Uh, They've got the best record in the region, and best I can remember. And all their data is pretty good. So, Mark, I don't see any reason Scranton doesn't stay up there. Uh, Peyton Gallagher asks... um, What's your predictions for um, NCAA seeding for Emory and Coach Z this year? Got two tough, close road wins this weekend coming off a loss to Wash U, which were, which were big. Uh, I think Emory's in a little bit of trouble, to be honest with you. I'd have to look at more of their data and see where they're, nas- they're, re- they're ranked this week. But those two losses, uh, if they're that good, should have been bigger wins, to be honest. Or I should say their wins today should have been bigger wins. Emory may end up hosting because they have to, depending on uh, travel, to be honest. But if they also get left out on an island by themselves, they can be the NCAA's perfect little darling because they can send them almost anywhere to fill in a pod. Um, I'm not convinced, though, that Emory's in a great position. We'll have to, we'll look at them a little bit later in the in the show. 
and dive into their numbers a little bit more. I'm really interested to see where they fit in the South region next week. Randolph-Macon, I think, stays number one with a strong resume. Emory, uh, I, they may be okay, but I'm a little nervous. I think those those wins this week were a sign of problems, to be honest with you. I, I was a little nervous by how that all played out. All right, so staying with women's basketball and heading up into the Northeast, one team that we haven't had a chance to talk about, which I don't know why. We should have probably called on the Hawks a little bit earlier. But I also felt like having a theme this week. We had the Red Hawks on a moment ago. Now we got the Roger Williams Hawks. Kelly Thompson, head coach of the team, has them at 20-3, and 14 in conference play. Best record uh, for this team in a long term. 2013-14, uh, they were 22-7. and seven. But they're 20-3 and three right now. They're going to probably beat that record at this point. The question becomes, this is the best in program history, and I don't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. But joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is Kelly Thompson, the head coach of the Hawks. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for having me, as always. Absolutely. I assume you'd know this answer. Are you guys, is this the best mark at this point for this team for the in program uh, history, or are we going way back in the archive machine? <laughs> I think uh, the 2013-14 season was the best record uh, in school history. If my yeah, they have 22 wins. Me, so, yeah. so yeah, so we're I mean you know we're on track, but we're not there yet. No, those three losses are where I'm kind of triggering things. You would have to implode to tie the losses that they have uh, um, on their season. You'd have to lose both the regular season games, lose in the conference tournament, and get the NCAA tournament, and lose there too. That's why I think uh, <laughs> you might have a better season. Um, yeah, I mean, th what's crazy about this is you guys have been on a tear since losing to Curry back on uh, January 6th. It's almost like that game seemed to wake you guys up to some degree. Not that you were sleepwalking necessarily, but it was the first game back from a very lengthy uh, holiday break. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we hadn't played in almost a month, and uh, and certainly we were pretty rusty in that first game. and. Uh, you know, Curry, Curry's a tough team that, that, you know, throws a lot of junk defense at you, and they, they make you really work hard to take care of the ball, which we did not do a very good job of in that game. And uh, and I think it was it really was. It was just a reminder for us that we have to take one game at a time. And, um, you know, as much as you talk about that as a coach, sometimes, uh, unfortunately, it takes a loss to, to be a reminder to everybody else as yeah. well. Um. <laughs> you don't have a very large team. I don't know if it's something about Rhode Island being a small state, <laughs> um, but you have 11 players on this team, and five of them are seniors. Uh, this feels in two parts. One, like being a tight-knit group, you know, I can see this clicking. But at the same time, it also feels like you've got all your eggs in a basket for this year. Uh, well, you know, I guess you could say sometimes less is more. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, it, you know, to your point, uh, certainly, um, you know, we do have the five seniors and, you know, it's easy to say, oh, what's going to happen next year? But, um, you know, that that's for us as a coaching staff to worry about, not, not the team. And, um, you know, I think it, it has tremendously helped our chemistry. Um, you know, you've got, uh, a small squad that's really dialed in on, on what's important with five seniors leading the show. Uh, it, it does, I think, um, you would like to think that is going to help you um, be a, a little more gelled, at, especially at this point in the season. So um, I've loved it. I love this team. This team has been really fun to coach. So um, I'm eager for what the next few weeks bring as well. 
Well, the next two weeks will bring at least two more games, plus the conference uh, playoffs. You've got Gordon on the road coming up on Tuesday. It's so nice. They're not playing on Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> and then you're at home against Endicott to wrap up the regular season on Saturday. You are tied with UNE. Um, UNE and you split this season, so I don't even know where we go with the tiebreaker here. It's not worth uh, diving into. So a lot to play for because I am assuming you'd rather have everybody coming through Rhode Island than necessarily heading up to University of New England. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, obviously, you know, we would love to have that one seed just for the reason you're talking about. Um, you know, and, and for us to do that, we, re, we really, we've got to win these next two games. And um, if we do that, I think with the tiebreakers, then we would be the, the, the number one seed. But, uh, you know, it's it, for me, it's more about how are we playing going into playoffs because, you know, the last few years we just haven't um, played particularly well the last two weeks of the season going into the playoffs and I think has kind of come in, uh, you know, with our early exits the last few years of the CCC tournament. So how are you playing? <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, we've, we've had a couple where we probably could have taken care of business a little earlier in the game, but I think as a whole we've been um, performing much better this season. And, you know, my staff and I had a lot of time to, to talk about this and think about this in the off season and how we kind of approach these last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I felt like probably we didn't do a great job as a coaching staff the last few years of um, – of that less is more, if you will, applying that to our team as well. Just, um, you know, giving them some extra rest days and trying to stay a little looser maybe than um, I'm comfortable with in practice. And so we've really tried to do a little bit more of that. And obviously, you know, again, having five seniors has been a tremendous help to just bring great confidence to this squad at this point in the season. 12 state straight wins. Uh, Western New England in the end of January took you to overtime. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> that was the perfect wake-up call, as it were. But And you came back on Curry, that one loss, which was 49-47 on the six. You got them 66-48 um, to, to make a point there. But as, as win streaks go on, does it become more nerve-wracking? You know what? I didn't even know that it was like a record until somebody said something to me after the game <laughs> yesterday. And and really, like, I, I I don't even really care about that. And I, and I, truthfully, I don't think that this year's team does either. I, I think they really have been very focused game to game on what's next since that Curry game in, in January. And um, I think having now played – um, for four years in this conference and understanding that, especially at this time of year, just about everybody's got something to play for. And if you beat them the first time around, then the second time around they're coming at you even harder. Um, yeah. You know, that this these seniors and this team kind of um, have been laser-focused on that next game. And so, um, truthfully, no, I don't, I don't feel a lot of pressure with that right now at all, and I don't. I don't get the sense that my team does either. So hopefully that remains <laughs> the case and we can go into playoffs uh, playing playing well. Yeah, you certainly understand all these scenarios better than most. Um, memory, you're on the, the national committee um, when it comes to selections and, and obviously serve time on the rack. You know how this all works out. Mm -hmm. I was actually impressed that Roger 
yourselves and, and Mass Dartmouth are in, in kind of a decent shape in the regional rankings. The caveat being, I know a ton can change this week just with the results <laughs> versus regionally ranked opponents coming out. But you got to be, at least from your coaching point of view, kind of um, um, happy to some degree that your team is kind of measuring out, as it were, with the rest of the Northeast Conference pretty well. Oh, certainly. You know, I, I always say that uh, as a coach, like being on the national committee and having access to all the information that we have access to is is a blessing and a curse as a coach yeah. because, you know, it's like you, you kind of know what you need to – to get yourself in a good position, but it's, you have to separate yourself on a day-to-day basis. And like I said, just keep your focus on the next game. Cause as we say all the time, and Bobby Morgan says all the time, (laughs) you got to win games. (laughs) So, you know, you can play the the numbers game all you want with all the, uh, the other areas we're looking at, but you know, a a 500 teams probably not getting in the tournament with, without an automatic bid. So um, I just try to keep my focus on that next game, but it, it, it has been great. Um, you know, I, I think going into this season, you know, we always try to schedule a really difficult non-conference um, schedule. And this year we sort of, but to my surprise, I mean, we were kind of thinking, all right, if we can win four or five of our, our non-conference games, and then that would be awesome. And, uh, we kind of finished that slate six and one with our one loss coming to tough. So, uh, you know, I, I, from that standpoint, I kind of said, okay, well, we, we've done what we needed to do there, but at, at the end of the day, we still need to, you know, take care of business in the CCC. So, um, you know, it's been a, a real positive thing for us at this point. Talking about the team and you look at the stat sheet and obviously the seniors lead the way for the most part. Um, Mariah Nicholas, senior, 16.2 points a game, seven and a half rebounds a game, nearly two assists a game. Uh, we won't talk about the turnover numbers. I'm sure you <laughs> talked to her about those. Uh, but she also has 52 blocks, which would be pretty impressive for anybody, especially at 5'11". Um, Anna Walther, another senior, 14 points a game, five rebounds a game, nearly three assists a game. A sophomore in Gabby, uh, is it? Uh, Jerian. Wow. That's not at all where I was headed with that. Thank you. <laughs> Jerian, um, nine points a game. Uh, another senior in Tegan Dunn at seven and a half points a game. Another sophomore in Sam Leone at six points a game. So, you, again, you got this senior leadership clearly on the stat sheet. You do have some underclassmen stepping up as well. Most coaches would say that's a nice mix. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, obviously, it's nice to have – some of the young kids in there as well, but uh, I know I've mentioned it a few times, but this senior class is just, uh, they've been remarkable really. And particularly this year. And, um, you know, it's funny just today, I was kind of doing my own research and I'm looking back at their freshman year and kind of where they fell um, in that particular year. And um, just the, uh, obviously you can see the difference in the, in the stats. Um, but me personally, I'm I'm just so proud of how far they've come as people. And obviously, you know, that's a big piece of what we're doing as coaches. But uh, their growth off the court, I think, has made as much of an impact on the court as, as their skill growth has. And, uh, you know, as we – as we've gone through this season, I think their maturity has really guided this team. And, um, you know, they've, they've found ways to help drive us to win. And, 
and I'm not even just talking about games. I'm talking about, you know, all the off the court stuff in the locker room. I'm talking about mm-hmm. practice. And, um, you know, I, I like to think that they're going to be a really good example for the underclassmen that are on our team right now as well. Another thing I noticed of the uh, 11 players, you have, I believe, eight from Massachusetts, two from <laughs> Connecticut, one from New York. Um, you are in Rhode Island. <laughs> uh, is it is it one of those where it feels like they've gotten out of the state? Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's. I, I will say, I've, you know, I haven't had great success recruiting in Rhode Island, but you know, we are pretty small. So mm. uh, <laughs> that is true. Massachusetts is about ten minutes away from us, so it's. It, you know, we're like just little roadie over here. <laughs> yeah, you're right in that little corner. Um, this again, the season's going pretty spectacularly by any standard but since you've gotten there it's always been a winning um formula uh, i think if i'm correct 16 and 10 your first season the lowest you guys have gotten is 14 and 2 you do have that 22 and 7 season otherwise it's always a 17 19 win type season you've developed a program that is supposed to be in these conversations oh thanks yeah um you know i i was very fortunate to come from a great program up at Stonehill College and um, working with Trish Brown for five years up there and, uh, you know, then making the jump back to Division Three as a head coach, I, I always say I was very lucky to have the team I, that I walked into at Roger Williams because they were just really eager to learn. And, and in fact, one of my players from that team uh, who was a senior my first year, she's actually one of my assistant coaches now, and uh, it's it's pretty fun to have her back on the bench, but also a great reminder of, you know, where we started and what our mentality was that first year until now. And, you know, that first year we're, we're talking about just trying to make the CCC playoffs. And, you know, now here we are, you know, still chasing that championship, but we have, you know, thoughts of the NCAA tournament in our mind. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's a fun, it's, it's fun to look back at that and, and see how far our program has come overall this triple c roger williams especially when it comes to the northeast conversation don't tend to be in it we talk amherst we talk or i should say we talk the nescac we talk the mm-hmm. new mac um nationally certainly not in that conversation what is this a sign that not only yourself and the program is taking that turn but most especially the commonwealth uh, conference in itself because Commonwealth Coast Conference, not to be confused with the Mac Commonwealth, um, because UNE has always been in the conversation too, but it's always just been UNE. No one else thinks there's there's anybody else to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. You, you're the D3 Hoops guy. Why don't you, you tell me that? <laughs> I oh, mean, don't I'd put like it on me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, obviously I'd like to, to think so. And we have uh, some really great coaches in our conference and um, you know, some schools that uh, as universities and colleges have grown tremendously in the past 10 years or so. And uh, I think that certainly can play into, you know, the long term of what a conference looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, as we're I think what I would love to bring back to the conference as, you know, somebody who's been on both the, the regional committee and now the national committee is, you know, how can we do a good job scheduling outside of our conference to kind of help everybody in terms of strength of schedule and obviously win percentage and all that stuff as well. Uh, Have you got your alternate for the Northeast ready? Because I have a feeling we joked with Bobby a little bit about this on the marathon. There could be six or seven of you not even involved 
in either the call because your team's on, you know, an at-large team waiting to get in or the bracketing. <laughs> Isn't that for, I, I think that's, that's ins- amazing. That's like insane. to me, I'm like, I feel so, so fortunate to be on this national committee with all these amazing coaches who uh, coach these great teams. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but, yeah, but do you have your alternate ready and marching orders put in place? I mean, ha, ha, we no, got to do no, something I, here. <laughs> you know, I haven't thought of it, so uh, um, and I'm not, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna for another oh, week. Oh, <laughs> okay, I see what you're doing there. Gotcha. Yeah, all right, that's cheating, but we'll let you slide. Um, talking to Kelly Thompson here, wrapping things up about Roger Williams and the women's program. And again, you're tied with University of New England, and I know to some degree this is out of your control. You need to win out. They know they need to win out, in, in a sense, to, to keep in control here. Endicott, though, is just nipping at your heels about two games back. Do you talk about this stuff in the locker room? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, to, to us, it's going to sound cliche, but we really are hyper-focused on one game at a time and who's next. And so for us, like, you know, yeah, Endicott is two games away, but uh, we have to think about Gordon because – you know, all these hypotheticals you're talking about really mean nothing if mm-hmm. it's, we don't take one game at a time and um, if, if we drop one. So we have to be focused on Gordon, and, and that's what's up next for us. I had a feeling, but we asked those questions anyway. <laughs> uh, we, we will push through until one person answers it in a different way, and uh, we're not <laughs> betting on it. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Fun to talk about the Hawks and, and what you guys are doing in the Commonwealth Coast and especially what you're doing, uh, like I said, in the regional rankings, to be up where you guys were. And, again, a lot can change for week two. We'll wait and see. But nice to be talking about Roger Williams. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, uh, thanks so much for highlighting our program and, uh, you know, obviously for everything that you do for for D3 and D3 Hoops. You know, got to keep up the good work there, and I know you will. Um, and, and I just want to wish luck, good luck to everybody going down the stretch. I hope teams finish healthy and strong. Well said, Coach. Thanks so much. Take care. Enjoy it. I have a feeling we'll be talking to you a little bit more down the road. I hope so. Thanks a lot, Dave. Absolutely. Take care. She is head coach of Roger Williams. It is Kelly Thompson joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Um, by the way, you may hear about Roger Williams a little bit more later in the week. Just a gut feeling about how our writers may be putting some things together at d3hoops.com. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll answer your questions. Still ahead, Sol Ross men's states, uh, Stol Ross State's men's coach, easy for me to say, Cliff Carroll will join us. And then Ryan Scott will rejoin us as well for the top 25 double take. You're watching Hoops Hope presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hill after this. I'm a Division three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. Kyle wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, on this Sunday evening. Hope you uh, are enjoying this one. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Those are the easiest ways you can interact with us, and I'm looking around to see if you've got any questions. We've got a little bit of time here before we get our next coach up. Sol Ross State's Cliff Carroll will be joining us in a little bit, and don't forget Ryan Scott still to come. One of the questions I got was, how is Emory sitting? The question specifically was, what are your predictions of NCAA seating for Emory and Coach Z? First and foremost, let's remember something. There's no seating, technically. Yes, the, the committee on the men's side has done a pretty good job of trying to at least determine who they think the top 16 teams are and let them host the opening weekend. To some degree, that's really the top two regionally ranked teams. Uh, in each region. That's not perfect, and there's a lot of variables as to why that can't be perfect. One of them's Emory. Emory's in a location where the USA South has a team nearby for sure that will get in, but who else gets in? Let's just argue that Guilford would make it from the ODAC, and I don't, I'm not saying they would, but let's just say they did. And then Emory's in, in some pretty decent shape. Um, maybe you only get two Texas teams, and one of those Texas teams could be shipped um, to Emory, and then the Skyac and another Texas team could be shipped up to, to somewhere. Um, it wouldn't be Whitman. Keep in mind that, folks, right now. Whitman men would not be hosting as of right now because the women would be, in my opinion. Emory sitting second in the regional rankings. They had a 548 SOS last week. It appears their SOS number is going to tick down to 538. Not surprising. Yes, it has a little bit to do with the fact that they played Carnegie Mellon and Case Western Reserve this week. The bigger thing is, as you play conference games, it naturally goes towards 500 anybody. Anyway, so anybody, um, and this is a double round robin conference set, anybody with a, with, uh, a high SOS is going to come down towards 500. Everybody technically will come down towards 500. Um, there's some exceptions to that rule, but Emory's one of them. Emory... Um, results versus regionally ranked opponents is going to be, I think, in some decent shape, to be honest. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, 
A game against Maryville could come into play. Uh, Guilford may or may not. Illinois Wesleyan's in play right now for them. Rochester's a, a win over a number one, though I don't think Rochester stays number one right now. And granted, they've got another one coming up next week as well. But Rochester has lost four of their last five. I, I just don't see how they stay number one ranked despite that SOS. WashU certainly is in play, but it's both losses. Uh, I don't think Chicago gets into the conversation, but we shall see. So Emory may be okay to stay second in those regional rankings. Uh, they won't get ahead of Randolph-Macon right now, I don't believe. Uh, everyone below them has struggled. Emory and Henry struggled. We'll see what they do with Sol Ross State and Maryville and Methodist. But Emory's in decent shape, and they'll probably host the opening weekend if the right pieces get into place. If the wrong pieces are in place, they're going to have to send Emory on the road. And that's the trick with just where they're located in the country. We've seen where Emory's hosted when they probably we wish they shouldn't or couldn't or shouldn't have, um, and we've seen them where they've had to host. So uh, Emory is – they're going to – if the committee does it right, though, I hope that Emory doesn't necessarily get an easy road. I don't think they, they're necessarily one of those top teams that you will eventually have to send somewhere. I don't, I don't imagine Emory's going to get teams the second weekend. But I'm hoping they're not sent to an, a location where it's all weaker opponents. I'm, I'm hoping that they get a real test in the second weekend. Granted, the second weekend, it's going to be a test for everybody. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But my gut tells me they'll they'll probably host the opening weekend unless there's just not enough teams in their area. And then the second weekend, they'll be on the road. Um, another question had to do with hope. Andrew left it wide open. He says, how do you... Uh, um, oh, by the way, he also asked me, when will we do the brackets? The brackets will be done in two weeks. So we'll do a special selection show here on Hoopsville where we will select the teams, then Ryan, some of the other guys behind the scenes, will bracket, just make up their own bracket. The NCAA committee will do the same on the same night, um, and then everything's released the following day. Um, he says, so how do you, th uh, how about Hope? Do you think they will win the MIAA? So let's start on the men's side of things. Hope and Olivet are tied at 9-3 and three in conference. Uh, the M MIAA men's side has not been much to write home about. Uh, Hope has Olivet coming up on the road at Olivet on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. That will decide the conference, barring an opposite outcome on Saturday by both teams. Uh, I think Hope's in the best shape to win the MIA on the men's side. I'm not blown away by anybody by any stretch of the imagination. As I said, Olivet's in this conversation. Adrian's in this conversation. We didn't think they would be, but Adrian and Trine are two games back, so they're not going to be a factor here. Calvin and Alma are five and seven in conference and below five hundred for their overall records. So yeah, I think I think the Hope men have all the reason and the ability to win. Though Olivet, they're going to have to get past. And uh, earlier this season, when they played Olivet on January twentieth, they won, but it was close, eighty-seven, eighty-four. So you know they may lose to Olivet, and this game goes to Olivet, and the tournament goes to Olivet the following weekend. Uh, remember, top four gets in. Uh, Comets uh, would love to be hosting this. I don't think they would expect the Cut Cutler Event Center to be in the conversation. On the women's side of things, uh, the Hope women are in a battle with Trine. They're technically a half game back right now, but Trine will actually get a midweek game off. Uh, they will not play on uh, Wednesday. They will play Kalamazoo to finish the season. They've got one game left. Hope, in the meantime, has two games left, Adrian and Olivet in the women's side of things, on the, at home against Adrian, then on the road against Olivet. Um, they've split the season with trying, so this is going to come down to tiebreakers. Uh, Hope's win over Calvin is a lucky one. 
Uh, if they had, I think, if they had lost on that buzzer beater shot that that ended up beating Calvin seventy to sixty nine, they have a sweep of Calvin. Trine uh, has. I'm trying to figure out who they've lost to. So Trine lost to Hope, and Hope has lost to Trine. So this tiebreak is going to get a little weird. Uh, I don't know all the MIA tiebreaker um, possibilities. I don't know if Hope Women can beat. Um, it can win the MIAA only because I think it's going to be a real battle there with Trine. I think that's a pick 'em at this point in time, um, but it, it's possible. Uh, I just I'm not I'm not betting on it. I think the women's side is wide open for di- both are wide open for different reasons. The women's wide open because Trine and Hope have been playing so well this season and proving that they're so good. The men's side of things it's wide open because no team has really been all that great. To to to, to be blunt. Uh, it hasn't been all that much fun. Uh, Jay Cozen, oh, hold on. we got a couple questions on our Facebook feed. Hey, Mark, and hey, Jay, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, Mark says, Guilford, ladies' parent here, all right? Says, great show and commentaries. Great job. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate that. Uh, Jay Cozen says, how difficult is Cranton's men's chances to make the landmark tournament after the loss to Catholic? Uh, we'll quickly look at that. Uh, pretty difficult, to be blunt. Uh, they may not make the the conference, but that being said, Catholic hasn't exactly shown that they can be all that consistent either. Moravians leading the way, tied with Drew. Uh, Juniata is third, and then it's Catholic at Scranton, uh, tied for fourth in the final playoff spot. If you look at the head-to-head, as you mentioned, Scranton um, lost to Catholic this past weekend, and I think Scranton was leading big in that one. Catholic has the tiebreaker because Catholic swept Scranton. So what's going to have to happen for Scranton to get in, they have two games left. They're at Susquehanna on Wednesday. Then they're at Goucher on uh, Saturday. And as for Catholic, they are uh, home against Elizabethtown and home against Moravian. Scranton's going to need to win both, and that is not a slam dunk because Susquehanna just beat Catholic the other day. Um, to put them in this situation. That's kind of where my point is. Great, Catholic beat Scranton, but Catholic lost to Susquehanna earlier. Earlier this season, Scranton got past Susquehanna 84-73. Both uh, Scranton's beaten Goucher before. I don't think that's going to be a surprise. In the meantime, Catholic's got E-Town and Moravian. Of course, Moravian's on top of the conference. Uh, Catholic lost to Moravian earlier in the season in overtime. This town will be at home. And earlier in the season against Elizabethtown, uh, they beat them. So really what needs to happen is Scranton needs to take care of business and hope Catholic st- tumbles and stubs their toe against either E-Town or Moravian. Otherwise, Scranton is not in the men's tournament. Um, did you hear that Wagner this week? Did you hear from Wagner this week? Or do you need to put out an APB after the Eagles Super Bowl victory a week ago? Oh, James Wagner wags. Yes. Actually, we just heard from him. He says hello from Texas. <laughs> I kid you not. He messaged just the, uh, a few moments ago to me uh, and said hello to Texas. Uh, and then Phil says, I'm looking good. Well, thanks. I'm going with a sweater look today. A little bit different. Uh, Al writes us. He says, uh, Luther women have 27 regular games scheduled. Was wondering if you knew how Luther women can play 27 games in a 25-game schedule. They already played 25 games and have two conference games left. Wouldn't that be a violation of some kind? Well, let's look it up. Let's make sure we know what we're talking about here. Um because very likely we've got something that we're not picking up. Hold on. I clicked on the wrong link. Forgive me. Uh, here we go. Luther. I've got him at 16 and 9, which is 25. Yeah, you're right. 
Two games left. All right, let's see if we got let's see what we got in here that may not shouldn't be counting possibly. Um, I see a game against Mount's Mercy, which is a non-division. No, I think we've got a problem. Let's uh, let's check their schedule. That's always best, as they say. Um, that could be a real problem for uh, Luther if they don't catch this. Let's just double check their schedule, though. Um, all right, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Well, we have a conundrum here. I don't have an answer for you, Al. That stuff usually gets caught by us and really early. For some reason, it hasn't been caught by us. And I don't have an answer for you. Ten, thirteen, twenty. Yeah, Al. Great question. <laughs> we will get to the bottom of that. Uh, if any of the guys are happening to tune in, listening to the show right now, we need to find that out. Luther women apparently have twenty-five games with two games left to go in the regular season. That is twenty-seven, and even I missed it. We had them on the show. Earlier this week or earlier this season, and we missed it. Now I'm, yeah, I don't know. Great question, Al. We don't normally catch that. That would be a violation. I'm surprised. There's about a half a way, dozen ways that didn't get caught. Um, compliance didn't catch it at their school. The coach didn't catch it herself. We didn't catch it. We we do tend to be ones who catch those kinds of things, and we didn't. So I got no answer for you, Al. I promise you this, though. We will get to the bottom of it and find out for you. Going to take another break. When we come back, Sol Ross men's basketball coach, Sol Ross State's men's basketball coach will join us. And then coming up, we will talk to, um, what's his name? Yeah, Ryan Scott. That's who I'm trying to say. Sorry. Uh, we will talk to Ryan Scott coming up as well. And we'll still continue to answer your questions. So send them our way, email or Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or however you want to send them. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student athlete, so the 
School is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Sorry for the delay, folks. We're we're back here on Hoopsville. If you got any questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. Al's got a stumper for us. We're gonna have to figure out. Uh, but let's waste less. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. Let's keep going with our next guest and talking men's basketball. If you haven't had a chance to check out, Saras State may be one of the more isolated teams in the country. Uh, they are as in far north, uh, far western Texas as you possibly can get. Uh, I have driven by it, but at a very high rate of speed on a trip, um, and we didn't have time to say hi. It's just one of those things, to be exact. Um, but the Lobos are playing pretty well, positioning themselves in the ASC race and could make the NCAA bracketing an interesting conversation. So joining us on the City of Salem's uh, hotline is the head coach for Sol Ross State. It is Cliff Carroll. Thanks for taking Dave, I appreciate it. Absolutely. The first guy who them to or you got attention would have been to throw a vote you're in the top twenty-five. Um, but at the same time, it was one of those where at least, you know, for a guy like me, I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me go take a look at Saul Ross, see what this is all about. You're having a pretty solid season this year. Well, I I tell you what, Ryan Scott's a pretty good guy then, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we we put together a solid year. You know, we had a twelve game win streak early in the season and uh um, you know, kids are really buying in, playing well. Well, they're buying in nicely at eighteen and five, thirteen and two in the conference, and basically everybody and their mother has to travel to you guys at some point, and you will finish at home against Mary Harden Baylor and Concordia, uh, Texas. Uh, to be clear for anybody out there, uh, I know that's big, but Concordia, Texas, beat you guys last time you faced on the road back on January twenty fifth. Of course, the ASC is split, as you know, Coach. Uh, you guys are leading your side of things over Mary Harden Baylor. It's it's a foregone conclusion, um, but you'd love to still try and lock this up. And I, do you guys get to choose, or is the ASC already chosen where you guys are going for the tournament? I can't remember. Well, what what we do is is we alternate years between the East and the West. So this okay. year, uh, the the West champion will host the tournament, and we were able to clinch that yesterday. Uh, with our win over McMurray. So literally you got so, two games left that more about tuning yourself up more than anything. Yeah, tuning yourself up and, and trying to keep ourselves right in the region rankings and things like that, you know, trying to, to um, you know, I, I know we're fighting an uphill battle with that, but, you know, make ourselves look as good to the committee as we can. 
And then, you know, you, you never want to back into a tournament. You always want to go in there firing and, and uh, um, you know, obviously losing to Concordia already this season. And then uh, our game versus Mary Hart and Baylor came down to a half-court half buzzer beater. So, you know, it's two really good teams, and, and it'll be two good games here in Alpine this week. It will be good games. And, and you could see, obviously, a Mary Hart and Baylor or a Concordia, Texas again in the tournament. Letourneau and Texas, Dallas and East Texas Baptist are battling it out on the other side of things. So while this is a good tune-up, at the same time, it's an important game because you may have to see these guys again next weekend. Oh, yeah. We, you know, in, in order to get to that tournament, you're going to have to be, be good teams. So, um, you know, it's what may, makes this time of year fun. You know, there's nowhere to run, nowhere, nowhere to hide. You know, you got to stand out there and and, uh, and and take your battles when they come. Wow. So, you know, we're, we're not backing down from anybody. We're going to get after it this week. You guys, thirteen and three last year, sixteen and ten the year before that, and much like Rippin, five and twenty back in 2014, 2015. Uh, this program has been, as they say, building towards this a little bit, but it's hard to sometimes uh, get those things rolling, as it were. And, and create a winning way when you have uh, a challenge in front of you, like a five and twenty season, uh, not that long ago. You're in your third year. You weren't there for that five and twenty. But what's it been like to try and change the culture of the Lobos? Well, you know we're we're we're, uh, we're a unique place, Dave. And you mentioned that we're isolated out here. You know we're we're um, you know we're about a five hour drive from the, from the closest Division three school to us, and. Um, you know, we, we have to recruit a certain type of kid, and, and we have to find kids that are comfortable in a small town. And, uh, yeah. you know, when, when, I, when I was hired here, I just decided we're going to go find the toughest kids we can find because that's what we have to have. You know, nobody rides on a bus as much as we do. And, and if, if anybody wants to challenge me, let's go. Just send me an email. We'll talk about it. But, uh, but we have to be tough, and that's what we recruit. And, you know, it's, it's been the kids that have really got this program turned around and pointed in the right direction. I'm going to challenge Pat Cunningham. He loves to talk about long bus trips. Um, of course, he's at Trinity, Texas, in a different conference. Yeah, if anyone's curious where you guys are located, and I'm, I'm just reminding myself, uh, you're off uh, U.S. Route 90 uh, down in the north, or really in the very western corner of uh, Texas. You're southeast of El Paso, south of I-10, straight west, a little north of San Antonio, but that's a long distance. If anyone's familiar with Big Bend National Park, they're north of there. You are literally in a little corner, as you said to me in an email. You're in the desert, and there isn't much around you. No, no, it's about a, you know, we're about seventy miles from the closest Walmart. But here yeah. in Alpine, we have every, everything we need. You know, we have good restaurants, and we got a grocery store, and it's a great little town. But you know, if if, uh, if you're the type of person who likes to hang out at the mall all the time, the closest mall to is about three hours away. So uh, we are isolated, but. I mean, that's kind of Dave. I, I'm a different guy, man. I like being out here in the boonies and uh, watch my deer come down at the end of the night and, oh. and in the mornings. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I'm a country boy at heart. That's where I like to be. You must. Uh, the it must be beautiful. I was just remembering the trip I took across. I just dawned on me. I didn't get onto I-10 until I was a little bit north and west of you guys because I came down I-30, I-20 to I-10. Um, and if anybody knows that, it, it you guys are a little south of that area. Um, What's the shortest trip you have in conference? Uh, in conference, probably headed over to Brownwood to Howard Payne or to uh, uh, up to Abilene to the Hardin Simmons and McMurray. They're they're about the same. I think Howard Payne's a little bit shorter, but uh, the the 
traveling trip, we get to spend more time on the interstates. So, uh, so we're going through less small towns. But you know, both of them are about a five-hour drive from five so, hours. So your uh, shortest trip in conference is five hours. Yes, sir. That's insane. Um, what's your shortest trip of the season, though? Because you do have some non-division threes that you played. You played Lubbock Christian in Southwest North New Mexico. Though Southwest New Mexico sounds like it's on the opposite side of the state than you where you really need it to be. Um, but the rest of it's been yeah. conference. So what's your shortest non-conference this season? Uh, the University of Southwest was about a three-hour drive. It's up in okay. Hobbs. It's, it's basically north, just due north of us. And then, uh, okay. you know, Lubbock Christian University is about a four-and-a-half-hour four drive. But uh, I grew up in Lubbock, so that's, that's almost a home game for me. We, <laughs> we have as many fans at that game as, as Lubbock Christian does. Oh, they didn't treat you like the home team. You lost 81-63, and that started a four-game slide for you guys. You also lost to Trinity, Texas, the aforementioned Pat Cunningham, at their place, and lost to Texas-Dallas at their place, and then lost to Southwest at their place. Did it have to do with the fact that you were these were these are some long hauls? Well, Dave, if you look at our schedule, you don't see any any uh, home games out of our conference. No, uh, no, nobody wants to come out here to play. I, I don't blame them. It, it's a long ways, and, <laughs> and with budgets being tight, and you know, uh, it, it is what it is. So we get on the road and we get out and play. And I, I do think, um, you know, the, the Dallas game, the UT Dallas, that you know that. Just really good, good teams, and then obviously playing at Southwest and Lubbock. You know, those schools have scholarships, so we're we're playing up a division there. Uh, you know, versus scholarship teams that are pretty, you know, pretty good teams uh, in their conferences. So, you know, I, I I never I never use the road as an excuse. You know, we just have to be tough. We know what it is coming into the season, so we we have to uh, prepare for it and and mentally be ready for it. And, you know, it's the way it's always going to be here. So, Russ. Well, yeah. Uh, if you need, I'll talk to Cunningham about returning that engagement. Uh, he should get it, on a he's bus. He's not coming. Oh, I will make I, it work. I, 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 that will be my own personal joy to see him have to get on a five and a half hour, six hour bus to go play you guys. That would be my own personal thing. Uh, well, it's you're right. It's not the happening. The invitation's always open, Coach Cunningham. I love that guy to death, and he's been a really good coach for a long time. And I tell you what, if he'll come out here, I'll cook him a brisket. Oh, see, now you might get me there for the game. I might actually make that trip, though. I don't know where I'd fly. I'd probably have to fly into San Antonio and bus with him. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind. Um, let's talk about this team. Uh, Caleb Thomason leading the way, 20 points a game, uh, hauling in also on top of that about almost nine rebounds a game, leads the team in blocks as well. Uh, also, I think tied for the assist lead in that category as well. Tristan, uh, is it Lincoln? L- Lincoln? It's a Lacone. Lacone. Oh, we go fancy. I love it. Um, he's got 10.9 points a game. B.J. Hollis at 10 points a game. Uh, Stephen Walker and C.J. Ross both with 9-plus points a game. Gary Ringo Jr. at 6 points a game. Got some nice little mix of, of, of weapons here. Uh, Lacone doesn't even start, and he's pouring in 11 points a game for you. Um, some of these other guys don't start uh, a lot of games and putting in a lot of points. You, you have a nice mix that it would feel on the stat sheet at least. Yeah, we, we got a really balanced team, you know, and, and uh, our advantage over everybody we played this year has been Caleb Thomason. He's really, really good in the middle. Uh, he, he's a, uh, you know, very, very good post player for our division and a very good post player for any division. You know, we, we played an exhibition game at uh, at UTEP this year, and they were running double teams at him. So uh, he, he's a really good player, and then, then everybody plays off of him. And, you know, teams have to adjust to – him on the inside, and it opens up things for everybody else. I have a lot of talent on this team. Uh, we have a lot of balance, a lot of good kids. They play hard for each other. 
So it's, it's, this year's been a lot of fun to coach these guys. We'd have to see where you fit in the regional rankings this week. You were a little low on the uh, regional rankings last week. Probably not that surprising considering who you have to play and what it does to your SOS-type numbers and whatnot, and results versus regionally ranked opponents isn't always going to be a huge number. Does that kind of set up the understanding that, listen, we need to go win the ASC? That's our only way. Yeah, it does. You know, I'm sitting on the rack this year for the ASC. Yeah, I noticed. And it's been an eye-opener. <laughs> um, you know, it is It is really... You're um, not the first think, coach to say that. You will not be the last coach to say that. But I, I think every coach needs to sit on that committee at some point in their career just to really see how, yeah. how the sausage is made, so to speak. And, and um, you know, just, just our situation, you know, there, there are no Division three teams west of us until you get to Southern California. And just our inability to fill a 25-game schedule with D3 kills us. So, yeah, we, we do know that, you know, chances are we got to win the tournament. So that's why it was so important that we get to host the tournament. Going into this year, we know if we win our division, you know, we get to host. All the teams got to come out to our, our place. And, uh, you know, it's an advantage for us. So, you know, we put we put a lot of energy and effort into to, uh, maintaining that goal throughout the year and chasing that goal. And, and it was good to get to clinch it yesterday. I should say, last time it was in the West Division, you guys clinched it as well um, two years ago. Uh, and force the games to come to your place didn't work out as as well do you you've got guys who went through that is does, does, does that is that something you can use as ammunition as it were to hey guys remember we've been here before but we didn't get the job done we we need to get the job done this time well absolutely i i think um you know anytime even as a coach that was my first time to to kind of go through something like that uh, you know as a young coach you know i, I don't know if we were ready for that moment two mm-hmm. years ago and, you know, Craig Carso at Hardin-Simmons had a really good group of yeah, kids. And, and uh, we had beaten them twice in the regular season. And, you know, they, they came in really, really gunning for us. So, uh, you know, we, we learned a valuable lesson that day against, you know, Hardin-Simmons. And, you know, Craig has gone on to be one of my, my great mentors. And, and I talked to him, you know, quite a bit. And he's helped me out a lot. So I think this year – uh, this time around, it'll be a little bit different in our preparation. It'll be a little bit different in our approach, and hopefully, it'll it'll turn into uh, more wins. Well, Craig Carris is no longer coaching Harden Simmons. That's already a leg up for you guys. Well, yeah, it, it, that, <laughs> it was a good day for me when he when he decided to retire. But I do miss him, though. I tell you that. Yeah, we miss him as well. Great man in the game. Uh, hey, you only have two seniors, Caleb Thomason and uh, C.J. Ross. Granted, Thomason leading the team in scoring, and Ross is certainly integral with that. But I, I get this feeling that you have built something here, and the Lobos are not going away. This isn't this isn't some flash in the pan. No, the, the, we, we're uh, this program's built to sustain. You know, we recruit good kids, and we recruit uh, high character kids, and we recruit tough kids. And we recruit guys that understand what it's like to be at Sol Ross. And, and um, you know, I coach them hard every day. And, uh, you know, our second, third leading scorer, a freshman and a, and a sophomore. So we're going to be good for, for a long time. We'll just be different. You know, just not having Thomason uh, will be will be different. We won't have the, the centerpiece inside. But, you know, uh, you know, Spurs didn't necessarily get, get much worse when, when Tim Duncan retired. Not yeah. not saying that that uh, Thomas and Tim Duncan, but, you know, they just had to be a little different. So, you know, our team will look different next year, but hopefully we'll be right back in the same position competing for the ASC title. Which is better, the sunrise or the sunset? Well, the sunset, because the way my house sits, I've got a porch on the, on the back of my house there in the backyard, and, and I can see the sunset over the Davis Mountains while oh. the deer come down and, and, uh, and drink water out of, the water out of my neighbor's water trough. 
That is awesome. I, it's, it's an arid area out there, but it's absolutely spectacular. I love the western part of the United States, but my drive through Texas was eye-opening and amazing. Uh, I am jealous, sir, to some degree. Not that I don't mind having all four seasons at the same time. Do you guys have all four seasons? You're, you're, you said you're right there kind of a little bit on the mountains. Yeah, somewhat. We, we, uh, we had a little bit of snow and ice this year. And, okay. uh, you know, but we're still Texas, so right. You know, and I think I think on Thursday it was seventy, and I think Friday it was in the thirties. So, you know, we're, we're still Texas. We still go up and down, but it's a it's a very uh you know we're a little milder up here during the summer times. You know, uh, the surrounding areas, Midland, Odessa. Oh yeah, you know, they're in the hundreds, and we'll be in the the high eighties. So, oh. you know, it's it's a great climate up here. It's a great place to live, and, and it's really a neat place. What's the uh, altitude there? Uh, we're we're about a. Uh, I think two or three hundred feet shy of a mile. Oh, okay. You're further up than I thought you guys were. Yeah, no, we we have pretty good altitude up here. Does that work in your advantage? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. We we these guys got to get on a bus and they you know however many hours they got to come out here you know five or six hours and um, if you have have any kind of cell cell service but Verizon it doesn't work out here so you know the the um, all the apps that the guys you know like to to look at the girls on and. And uh, you know, try try to try to talk to their girlfriends and the Snapchats and all that kind of goes away. And I'm guessing the Wi-Fi you, you guys have is hard to get into. It's a little hard to get into. <laughs> and uh, you know, you get up in the altitude, and you know, there's not not a whole lot to eat, so you're just eating Subway every every meal. And so it's a uh, it is an advantage. We we and we take advantage of it. We really awesome. we make teams work to guard us, and, and we we play uh, tough defense, and so. You always find a team, and, and they'll get tired. They'll get your second win, and then they'll wear out in the second half. So, um, you know, we, we, we know it. We put it to it, and, you know, it's been a good good advantage for us. Well, Coach, fun to talk to you uh, and learn more about Solaroff State especially and, and learn more about what uh, what makes you guys tick and really what might make you guys tick when we talk about NCAA tournament time. Uh, as always, we give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Hey, well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, in Texas, we're all about our barbecue, and, and mm. I do a pretty good job. I got me a nice big pit. So if, if anybody's ever driving down I-10 and you want to make that left-hand turn and come down into Alpine, I'll, I'll definitely fire the pit up. We'll get you good Texas barbecue for you people out here, man. Y'all want to come down and hang out with us. That is half-tempting, sir. That sounds delicious to me. Uh, thanks so much for the time. Now that you've made me hungry, I'm going to have to let you go. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Good luck in the ASC tournament, and we'll look forward to talking about the Lobos down the road. I appreciate it, buddy. Anytime. Absolutely. Take care, sir. Cliff Carroll joining us from the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline from as, as west as you can get in the south region. Oh, I think they're further west than Colorado College. I'm not sure. We'll have to look that one up. But thanks to Coach for taking the time to join us. Fun to talk about different teams on the show once in a while, and so Ross State certainly fits that mold. By the way, if you didn't see the news, um, speaking of the South region and Colorado College, uh, Johnson & Wales, Denver, the sister uh, group school, whatever, of Johnson & Wales out of Rhode Island, and there's another one in the Carolinas, will be joining Division Three. They have started the process, and they will join the SCAC as members as well, we Colorado College's travel partner. Going to take a break. When we come back, Ryan Scott joins us for the double take. We'll break out our dubious deep dive and debatable teams. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, 
or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back, everybody. Uh we're continuing to plug along here on this show. We got about 15, 20 minutes left. Sundays has become fun because we bring in our uh, other top 25 and top and uh, D3hoops.com around the nation columnist Ryan Scott. I will make this plug now. If you have not had a chance to go back and watch or read, sorry, read Ryan Scott's interview uh, last week, article, whatever it's called, uh, about the committee process, please do so. You just heard from uh, Cliff Carroll talking about how eye-opening the process is as for him as a coach we try and keep you informed try and keep you understanding of how this all works and um ryan did a pretty good job with that article we will be referring to it often um trying to figure out why i can't call up ryan here for some reason on our screen just bear with me here as i make one little change and we will get him in i just realized why it's not working um, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, as Ryan comes in, Andrew Tice, if you didn't miss my or answer or hear my answer earlier about hope, um, hope men and women are in a battle for the conference regular season and title for different reasons. Uh, hope women are in a battle with Trine um, because Trine's darn good, and I'm not so sure Hope is going to automatically get past them. I think that one's up in the air, but both teams will make the NCAA tournament. On the men's side, Hope's in a battle with Olivet. they got to go to Olivet this week and win if they want to host that tournament. If Olivet wins, it's going to be Olivet most likely, uh, assuming Saturday's games don't change. 
uh, the outcomes there. Um, but more importantly, um, only one team's coming out of the MIA, and hope men haven't blown me away this season. I'm not going to slam dunk that one by any degree whatsoever. As for brackets, Ryan joining me will give you will help you give you this answer. In two weeks, we'll be talking about who's in and who's out, and then Ryan's been doing the heavy lifting on that bracketing, sir. I'm sure you're just gung ho and looking forward to doing that, are you not? It's actually one of my favorite things of the year. It's what yeah. I look forward to. I love puzzles. I love putting maps together. I love all sorts of nerdy stuff like that. And so uh, that night, uh, even before I was a columnist, I was helping Pat out with, with putting those together. And I, I love I love doing that. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the question comes in, do I think Hope Women will host? Well, at this point uh, in the first round, I think they would. The question becomes where they fit in the regional rankings. I was surprised they were number one in the regional rankings. Uh, this past week, but we don't have all the data. We'll see where they fit in this week and beyond. That They've got a decent chance at it. And, Ryan, yeah, you did help us a lot with bracketing um, throughout, and I appreciate it because I tried to do that one time, and it completely exhausted me for everything I had to do the next day. And uh, I did I did check out because I was listening with bated breath to your Sol Ross interview. Colorado Springs is about 20 miles farther west than Alpine, Texas. But oh, Okay. But it's 700 miles due north, basically, so uh, not exactly convenient. <laughs> no, no. Fascinating, though. But thanks for doing that homework for me. Hey, um, one other question. Hoops at Dupes is what he calls himself. Says, big fan. Watch every week, even the entire marathon, which I'm impressed with. Uh, it says, what are the chances of Worcester hosting the first weekend? Let's get through this regional <laughs> ranking this week to make that determination. Man, Ryan, the Great Lakes region is a cluster. There's a lot going on there on the men's side. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, a lot of it's going to come down to what happens in the OAC. Um, yeah, true. Because <laughs> you got four good teams there that are all sort of battling with each other, and the, the season's not over yet, let alone the conference tur- tournament. So I don't know there's much we can even predict there. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, absolutely. Craziness. Uh, I, I think it's wide open at this point. I don't want to even try and guess uh, on whether Worcester's going to be able to host. There's so much going on, so many moving parts, and regional ranking and all that stuff's going to – dictate a lot of that all right so we usually bring in uh ryan to talk about uh top 25 stuff and <laughs> ryan it's another another one of those weeks i feel like a broken record to anybody out there these things called lps are called records when they broke they skipped and repeated themselves um seven losses yesterday in the top 25 if i'm if memory serves at least. I think it was probably more than that. It might have been more. You're right. Amherst comes out of nowhere to win the NESCAC or at least tie and get the tiebreaker and amongst other things. Um, I, I should I, just point out that I, I mentioned Friday night on our, our uh, little chat room behind the scenes. I said, you know, if Amherst and Williams win tomorrow, Amherst did. wins the whole conference. And I laughed at the, you. And the I first laughed thing at you. Dave said back is Amherst will not win the NESCAC. I did. <laughs> I I wrote back, no, that will not happen. And then I'm looking at my phone while calling a lacrosse game, I may add, and going, it's happening. It yep. can't be happening. No, it's happening. Um, I, uh, coincidentally enough, of course, Dave Hickson's 800th victory, so maybe it was written in the stars, as it were. I don't think he wanted to leave that to next season necessarily. Um, it's craziness that, like that that makes me look at my Week 10 bracket and just want to just throw it out. I have lost now almost all confidence outside of the top. Now three. Uh, who's your third? Well, my third would be St. John's. Whitman, Washington, okay. St. John's. Okay. <laughs> That's it. 
uh, Wittenberg losing to Hiram. I mean, what? Now, Hiram beat Ohio Wesleyan early in the week. Maybe they were just having a good week. But Ohio Wesleyan's also just falling apart, uh, as we said, 6-7 and seven in the last 13. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this top 25 going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just, I don't have yeah, anybody I, to put in their spots. I just sort of resign myself to having to start over again after we <laughs> – after we, so we'll get the bracket – and then I'll have to do the preview for the website, and then after that, I assume I'll have some time to vote. We'll do one vote that week, right after. Yeah, the we do that. We that Monday. That selection is our uh, second to last poll. Yeah. And I will probably just start from scratch entirely for that whole thing. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen by the time we get there? I agree. By I that mean, point, we might have teams in the top. Teams for yeah. votes. Yeah. And we're still two weeks from the end of the season. Oh, I know. <laughs> it is absolutely in insane this season hold on a little thing's gonna pop up sorry covering up ryan's face there uh it's been absolutely insane um by the way uh a quick note before i forget i have accidentally started a hornet's nest uh or maybe we can blame al uh who emailed me about luther women uh our guys are spinning in circles trying to figure out what is going on uh, we will uh, try and get an answer on what happened with Luther women in too many games. Uh, at some point, uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, it's out of our control. We'll just try and get an answer. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the games have been played, so they've got right. two conference games yeah. left. They're not going to not do those. So Yeah, at this point, yeah. I mean, unless they somehow decide to cancel two conference games, but I, I just don't see that happening. But maybe they – no, did I'm hear, not going to say maybe. We did right, hear so the, here's, traditional, the traditional penalty for that if they do indeed play too many games is that they'll have to go short next year. So, Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. And it may – I don't know how this plays, but I, I don't know if there's now an eligibility problem for being in the NCAA. I, I don't know if they just DQ themselves the tournament. That may be the other thing here too. Um, yeah. So we'll see. All right, so let's. Uh, here's how this works. And if you haven't remembered, Ryan was under the weather last week. To be honest with you, I've been waiting to drop myself. Um, we do the top twenty-five double take. We take a deep dive team. We have a dubious team. A team that a deep dive is a team we think maybe should get some a little bit of love, whether they get votes or not. A dubious team is a team that we think is uh, uh, maybe a little too overranked. Though we're starting to run out of those because everybody feels overranked. Uh, and. Um, the other one is the debate team, and Ryan usually picks one that we can we can argue a little bit. All right, so we'll start with let's start with deep dive, sir. Uh, who might be your deep dive of the week, as it were? So I always try and pick a team that's not getting any votes at all, and uh, I thought I'd be a little sneaky and do Amherst, but I decided against that one. Um, <laughs> Cheater. I I want to highlight Albertus Magnus. Um, I know that they're, uh, tr you know, traditionally been in a pretty weak conference, and this year they've had some roster issues, guys mm -hmm. coming and going with personal problems and grades and things like that. But uh, I do think it's a pretty solid team. They've continued to win games, and uh, I think they have, if you haven't noticed, uh, Dequan Walters down in the post, who is our nationally fifth-leading scorer and second-leading rebounder, I think one of the best players in the country, um, which always is... is Something that can make waves when you get into the tournament. So, a That's, team maybe to look out for. Yeah, I'm, I, I kind of like what you're thinking there. Uh, I'm going to go deep dive on a, on, a, on an interesting team that we've talked a little bit about today, and it's going to be Johns Hopkins. Um, eh, who knows if they get some votes? My argument here is going to be if you, if you're voting for Franklin and Marshall, maybe you should be voting for Johns Hopkins instead. 
uh, Josh Leffler has turned that, not turned that program around. Bill Nelson, the last couple of years, had brought the program back into the conversation, to be sure. But they beat both Swarthmore and uh, FNM at home at Goldfarb in double overtime in both games uh, to put, force a three-way tie in the Centennial Conference right now with two games to play for everybody, I believe. They could easily somehow, with tiebreakers, force this to come uh, the tournament to come to Goldfarb, which I don't think anybody had on the equation at the beginning of the season. Uh, they are playing really well. I think they've lost one game in, in since the turn of the year, off the top of my head. Playing very good basketball. I would only argue that if you're voting for F and M, and even if you're voting for Swarthmore, maybe you should also or should be voting for Hopkins instead. I know that's going to be a question I'm going to have. I have Swarthmore on my ballot. Um, my argument just being, hey, this is pretty equal. And by the way, they're also equal with a lot of other teams. If you look at some of their resumes, Hopkins has kind of entered the conversation here and no one's really talking about them. No, and they started the season out really well. Yep. Um, their first few games, uh, well, some some good wins and some solid performances. Um, and then, you know, sort of got lost in the, in the Swarthmore shuffle. But, um, you know, and the other thing with the new coach, with Leffler, uh, the the – underclassmen have really developed this year. Yes. Um, we mentioned it talking uh, about the game yesterday with Michael Gardner, I think is just a sophomore, um, was not really a big contributor at all last year, but they've been relying on him a lot. And he hit a big three-pointer. Uh, I think that was the one to send it to double overtime yesterday. Um, bringing the young guys along is is really what's, what's helped this team. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, Hopkins lost to Franklin Marshall on December 6th. They then went... Three and four in their next seven, beating New Jersey City, interesting enough, before losing to Christopher Newport, beating Goucher, then losing to Ursinus, beating Dickinson, then losing to Swarthmore. Since that loss to Swarthmore, they have been undefeated, winning, I believe it is nine straight now, including, as we said, against FM and Swarthmore. They've got Washington College and Haverford next, uh, both of those games on the road if they want to return home to Baltimore. So just a thought. If if you're voting for FM, you're voting for Swarthmore, you know, Hopkins isn't a bad case study at 19 and four and those four losses being a long time ago at this point and swarthmore and fnm finished the season against each other so one of those teams is going to take another loss yep yep uh, hopkins just needs a whole court and then we see what the tiebreaker brings uh they've basically split with those two teams so whoever it is left it's a split and they split with the next team down both of them would have unless it happens to be i think if swarthmore loses at fnm they'll be owing two to fnm and then well, fnm would win the tiebreaker Hopkins swept Dickinson and Muhlenberg, so unless her sinus finishes fourth, which I guess is always possible. Well, I think it, the bigger one would be is if FNM beats Swarthmore, they'll be two and zero against Swarthmore. Hopkins oh, okay. will be one and one, and that would wipe it out. They have to have Swarthmore win to make it one and one, and then we go deeper, and then that's yeah, that's where we're gonna I'm gonna lose track of it at this point. <laughs> um, we'll work about that next week. That's, that's yeah, exactly. Next. That's what Steve Ulrich and the rest of the Centennial Conference are paid to do. All right, so that's our deep dives. Our dubious, you and I had some trouble. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of these teams. They keep getting votes, Dave. Yes, that's our problem. Uh, we keep talking about dubious teams, and they keep getting votes. And I'll admit, even I've had to move them up the poll because I don't want to, but I do. So the yeah. question to you, sir, is do we want to go with dubious or do we want to double down on deep dive? Well, I, I do want to mention, um, sure. I know it's been an unfortunate situation with MIT with, yeah. with Bradley Jomard, their their best player going down with injury. It doesn't look like he'll be back, which obviously makes the team not as good as they were. But right. uh, that was a team I was so impressed with in November. 
Mm-hmm. They did the exhibition game at at Harvard, and it came down to the last couple possessions. I mean, they hung with a really pretty good Harvard team the whole way through. They looked really impressive. They won some big, big games at the beginning of the, the season. Um, and then just they had some injury issues. Both their guards, I think, missed time, and they just never got back to form. So even before the injury, I was a little dubious about the MIT team. And then obviously now since he's been hurt, they, they've been in, in a little bit of trouble. Uh, and obviously we'll probably drop, but that was just the one I was thinking that maybe was getting votes on potential more than what they were actually able to put out on the floor. Yeah. Fair argument. I, I mean, I know I've kept voting for them. I kept them kind of high. They had lost that one, uh, to Babson and I left them at 10. They had a tight loss to Wheaton, but basically it's cause I also had everybody behind them that I didn't feel comfortable with either. It was more about kind of being buoyed, uh, more than, than anything. But they they just didn't look good in the last two games. Jomar really is 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 a pro not a problem, but his loss is a problem. Um, yeah, he's a very special player. He's he's real good. Yeah, and most likely I will be removing MIT altogether from my ballot, uh, and then we'll see what the rest of the voters do too. Uh, maybe we bring them back as dubious if they don't do it themselves. <laughs> he is also a junior though, so that he, sh- he should oh, yeah. be. I uh, should be back again, and they'll be they'll be pretty good again. So yeah, they'll look pretty good next next year to be sure. Um, I could certainly give a dubious, and I'll even be guilty of it myself. And it, my my dubious is Emery. I'm wondering if we're buying a little too much into Coach Zimmerman specifically. Uh, you know, someone asked me earlier, how do they look about seating? And listen, they may end up hosting because they're in the right spot of the country where they're going to need to host at the same time. Their SOS, much like the NESCAC, is going to make them look good, though they lost 10 points on that SOS in the last week, as some teams will do. They barely got past Case Western Reserve and Carnegie Mellon, and I know Carnegie Mellon's playing pretty darn good basketball right now. But if Emory's really as good as they supposedly are, they're winning that one easily. And now I'm starting to wonder if those two losses to WashU were more um, revealing than we give them credit for. Someone said to me, and I think they've got a point, we all know Coach Zimmerman is a darn good coach. He gets a lot out of his players. We've seen that for years now. But I don't know if they've actually got the talent that we think they've got. And well, as a result, I think they're a little flawed. That's That's been my thing the whole year. So I watched them pretty early on, and, and just they didn't look like the team I expected them to look like. But they have put up results that are impressive. You know, they've certainly earned where they are. And I imagine they will get to host because they're probably going to be the top ranked team in that region yeah it all depends on how many teams come out of there if they don't have enough teams they may ship them but they also may be the perfect they may need somebody to get shipped to them to fill in a bracket Um, yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to know exactly how that'll work till we get into the the bracketing but um well just losses to lagrange and harden and hamden sydney from the beginning of the season are now kind of coming back into my head kind of like they "Mm." they were missing a point guard to start the year so i realize that but again, uh, Carnegie Mellon was a two-point game. Case Western Reserve was a three-point game. I get they're both on the road, but that's the e- one of the easiest trips in the UAA. Well, Case is the number three team in the conference this year. You yeah, which is pretty Car- good. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. So I'm I'm a little dubious of Emory, and I'm half at fault with that. I've got them 11. Uh, they're 13th in the poll. I get that, uh, but I'm even the one thinking twice. Um, but those teams around them have also shuffled, so that makes it hard. I get that, but I'm a little yeah. dubious right now, Emory. I'm, a, I'm wondering I, if we're overrating them. I, I came in dubious and then ended up moving them up my poll this week, so who knows what'll happen? Well, considering, <laughs> let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six or seven teams around them have lost. 
Yeah. <laughs> I might have to keep them oh, where they are. Anyway, debatable. We leave this one to Ryan. Ryan picks a team we want to debate. Um, I know where we're going on this one. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not full-throated on this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. <laughs> well, Dave voted for Cabrini last week. I did. So I'm going to make him defend his, his pick. <laughs> not that Cabrini is bad. I think they are definitely improving down the stretch. Um, you know, they're, they've, uh, the Taheem Monroe, we all know one of the best rebounders of all time in division yeah. three, good player. I think the supporting cast has started to come on and support him a little bit down the stretch. I'm still not sure they've had much of a schedule and they've been tested in the way we want a top 25 team to be tested, but you voted for him. So make the case. All right. So if anyone noticed the blog, I wrote Cabrini in, and in parentheses, I wrote plus six. If anyone knows me, I will write something when I move a team significantly up or significantly down. I moved them up six spots. That's pretty significant. I didn't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I wrote about Emery and Henry, who had moved down five spots. I had written about Worcester, who had moved up eight. Two, two. I moved up Eastern Connecticut, up eight. I wrote something about them, though I didn't write about Williams either. Um Here's the thing I think about Cabrini is, and the one thing that is in my head is, yes, they seem to be improving as the season's been going on. Their one loss to Newman is a head-scratcher, admittedly. Newman isn't nearly the Newman we've gotten used to in the last couple of years. Um, but they also have, they got past Gwyneth Mercy, which had been one of their flaws on their, on their schedule earlier in the season. Their only other loss is to Denison. They have a win over Scranton, but nowadays that doesn't look so good. But they have a win over Eastern Connecticut. Yeah, that's the um, one. And that one definitely kind of is leaning towards me. You talk about the rebounding, pretty solid. They've been very consistent, uh, especially under Tim McDonald, when I think everyone thought there would be a fall-off. Um, they really haven't had one. The worst they got was 16-11, and 11, and that was just, I think, McDonald in, in, in shifting and recruiting. Um, I, my gut tells me they're a team that could end up in the second weekend of the tournament, depending on how this bracket gets set up, because – they may cause some issues. You mentioned the rebounding advantage that they have. They tend to be a team that can can get streaky as well. I, I like what I'm seeing. I don't love what I'm seeing. If anyone knows from my blogs also, I've been saying consider everybody from five down to be t five spots lower in reality. So really Cabrini, who I've got sitting at 18, is a 23 to me. Um but they're also standing tall in that CSAC, which has been a fascinating race this year. And they're up in the top of the Atlantic conversation with some of those NJACs. They also beat their CUNYAC rival, which Gwen and Mercy couldn't do. They're winning when they need to win, and I think that's what I'm keying on at this point. Yeah, they're not pretty. Rosemont took them to five, um, and they got Immaculata and Clark Summit ahead, so we're not going to learn a lot until we get to the CSAC tournament. But right now, I'm starting to lean towards teams that are winning versus teams that can't get the job done, and right now Cabrini's getting the job done. Yeah, and like I said, I guess – uh, this is where we debate a little bit. I'm still not completely sold, but I do understand that uh, that couple of the the support, well, not really supporting players anymore. Blazing Gale and Bagwell both been stepping up enough that teams cannot double Monroe as much as they used to, um, and obviously he creates a lot of problems when he's one on one with people. So, uh, yeah, I, as I said, I'm not full throated. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I've also talked to some who who have been watching him more than I, and and they certainly like him. Um, and I, I'll give them that credit, but it, 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 it worries me just a little bit. It does. But then again, everyone at that point in the back in the ballot worries me. I have Augustana behind them. I'm not sold on Augustana right now. Stevens points behind them. 
I don't know what to make of Stevens Point. Salem State, Hobart, Wesleyan, Whitewater, Maryville. Ahead of them is Swarthmore and Emory and Henry. I mean, they're in a group there that it's just a bog. Um, and I just don't know what to make of it. So, um, By the way, so Andrew asks us, or is commenting, says, true, Hope guys will be ranked in the regional rankings. Will they? No, I don't think Hope's going to make the regional rankings on the men's side of things. Um, that said, they might, but they'll be at the very bottom, which will basically mean nothing except for giving some teams results versus regionally ranked opponents. Their, uh, their SOS is not as good, I don't think, and they've got already eight losses. I can't imagine them yeah. getting in yeah, I don't think they'll make it. Uh, by the way, it is the women's turn the first weekend. I finally remembered that last week because Whitman men were hosting and Whitman women were not last year. So it is women's turn this year um, to host the opening weekend. Heads up, Whitman fans, just warning you now. You're about the only team out there, though, that is in this conversation that I can think of off the top of my head, except maybe Illinois Westland. Or I don't I was going to make an Amherst joke, but I won't. I, well, the funny thing is I <laughs> I was going to automatically say Amherst, but Amherst's men aren't going to be in a position to host. Not even if they win the tournament. They're no. Um, so. Scranton's men are out of the conversation. That's our usual grouping. Christopher Newport, their men aren't going to be in the boat. Yeah, some of the, our favorites, as it were, are just not yeah. in the conversation this year. St. Thomas isn't in it this year for hosting. Right. right. The men are out Maybe. of the conversation. Maybe Wash U, but I'm not even sure the women are no, high enough. I don't enough think the Wash U women are in a position to host. Yeah. Yeah, it's an I, interesting year. We may just have one really unfair situation where the Whitman men have to go to Whitworth and play Whitworth. So. Well, <laughs> assuming Whitworth gets I assume Whitworth would get in too, but how crazy yeah. would that be, huh? Yeah. Uh, now that when the women had hosting, hasn't it? What'd you say? Has it been? I think it's happened before where, where was it? Maybe not. That one of the higher seeds had to go to the rival up there, but maybe it was the on women's the women's side. It has. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I don't know if it's happened on the men's side because until now we haven't had two teams. Yeah, well, um, was the bit was the better team, and they they never got right hosting. Uh, Todd Pedler, I'm trying to figure out how to extra games get scheduled for Luther's women. I'm wondering if they forgot about Nebraska Wesleyan being in the IAC. No way they forgot Nebraska Wesleyan's in the IAC. It's the second season. Um, they oh, have a. I will. I will point out the conference bylaws still say a fourteen-game yeah. conference season on their website right now. So who yeah. who knows what somebody was looking at when they scheduled them? Yeah, but you can still count to twenty-five, right? Now they have a non-division three opponent in there, but even that, if it was supposed to be exhibition, and you can't do it retroactively, but if it was supposed to be exhibition, it still doesn't solve this problem. Uh, there's still well, one over. Maybe just an oversight. That is a huge oversight. Yeah, sometimes there's JV issues that there's a JV game listed in the wrong spot, but I checked those too, and they've got JV games listed properly. Still, right, and I checked their I checked their website twice, and and it's yeah, I'm not sure how this Luther miss. And again, we haven't heard from Luther, so I don't want to go too far off on that one, um, but we'll see. Uh, bye bye, Matt Gran on my own personal Facebook says may have to take the trip to Alpine to get Cliff Carroll's brisket. Yeah, he's made me hungry, and it is not pleasant. That's not fair. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you're not too far from, from El Paso. Some good stuff there. Carlsbad Cavern's not too far away. You can make a nice little trip out of it down to that area. I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely. Um, so a reminder, regional rankings come out this week. We'll have a huge turnover on that. Um, so we'll, let, we'll wait till a lot of these questions are hard to answer right now. I know we're two weeks out, but this isn't D1 where we kind of know where the money goes. 
Um, it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, but, Thursday night will be easier once we've had a one yeah. set of rankings with the, the versus regionally ranked opponents involved. Yeah. So gives us more data. Yes, it still could change, but I've always found, at least in the last few years with this new data set, and Ryan, you can probably uh, either back me up or tell me I'm loopy on this one, but I always found that week two gives us an idea of what's going on. There are still going to be some changes, but the top's the top, the middle's the middle, the bottom's the bottom. You're not going to get huge swings anymore unless some team implodes. That's a different conversation. But if everything I were to hold pat, we kind of understand where everything sits. I can ask you, I don't know if you're planning to get Tim Fitzpatrick on again before the bracketing, or is it going to be probably afterwards? Usually after. I usually leave them alone between now and the end. But I, I talk to him off air. Yeah, I, I just noticed that the the new secondary criteria of the, the non-conference SOS seems to have factored in in a couple of places that first week. So I thought so, but I also found one where it didn't. For example, Lycoming's ahead of Swarthmore. And if you look at it, their only common opponent is Hope. Both of them beat them. Um, granted, Lycoming played Hope a second time, and it was a tight overtime game. But we're just going to call that a wash. Their SOSs are identical. At least last week they were, 512 to 514. That's pretty much equal. Uh, their yep. win-losses are equal. And so I went, all right, you know, common opponents out of the conversation because they only had one, believe it or not, out of two mid-Atlantic teams. That seems pretty surprising. The SOS is a wash. The wash win loss is a wash. I can't find anything else in primary that because they didn't play head to head. So I'll go to secondary. Swarthmore's SOS is a 577 last week, and Lycoming's below 500, and they put Lycoming ahead of, of Swarthmore. Yep. So I don't know Ooh. if they found other data somewhere that broke the tie before they got there, or or what was going on. But there's an example where I thought maybe secondary wasn't being used. Yeah, and there was a couple in the Northeast that it was very clear that they they broke some ties with that non-conference SOS. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. I think once we get all the data involved this week, that'll tell us a little bit more. Oh, but yeah. the other thing, if you get a chance, um, I know the, the previous chair and, and committee worked really hard to get hosting for the top 16 teams, regardless of region, and whether they're going to continue that or go back to what had traditionally been two per region that they tried to do before. That'll be the other one that'll be interesting for us to find out. Yeah, I do like this week because now we get all the data and we can start making more educated guesses. I, I hate up until this week getting questions because it's so wide open and hard. Uh, I got a Jerry sends a comment to me about Augustana, says their results versus regionally ranked opponents, I'm assuming. He says ROR um, is 5-2. and two. Okay. Um, I think a lot of the central teams are going to have some really gaudy uh, results versus regionally ranked opponents, to be honest. Um, Augustana, two good road wins this week at North Central and at Milliken. Okay, I'm going to agree to disagree with you. I think Augustana had a, fifth, a decent road week. Okay, they got past North Central and they got past Milliken. I don't think that's worth writing home about. Any week where you don't lose is a good week. This that's year. true. I'll give you that. That's a that's a good point. It, just the fact they won both games is worth writing home about. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Of the top five teams vying for the tournament, Augustana is done with all of them, which means they aren't playing any other teams. The other four have to play each other over the next two weeks. Augustana's last two games are at home against the bottom two of the conference. Interesting CCIW finish. I think that it's going to be an interesting CCIW finish, period. Augustana may end up backing into the top seed because of the schedule, basically. They had a tough start to the CCIW. That was another part of the conversation, Ryan, where Illinois Wesleyan had an easier start. Now we're seeing the flip of that. Yeah, I mean, they had a real nice stretch in the middle there where they were winning a lot of games against teams that are sort of lower down. 
Uh, with that central region, the one thing to watch, the last two teams in there right now, River Falls and North Central, probably will not be seven and eight when it gets to the last couple of rankings. No. And so it'll be interesting to see who slips in there because that will change a lot of versus regionally ranked opponent numbers. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, there's probably eight teams that could be in those last two spots. Uh, and wherever that ends up is, is going to be interesting for a lot of the other rankings. Yeah, you're right. Um, and again, it, remember twice uh, the last two weeks of regional rankings. So week one's results will still be in, in play when it gets to week three. And I, I, I had said in the past that week one doesn't matter after week two. I still make that a, a opinion because, yes, it will influence week three to some degree. But really, it's it's out of the mix. What's really interesting, as you point out, who enters the bottom of these regional rankings in the, this week? That will change a lot of numbers. And again, a reminder to you at home, the results versus regionally ranked data is based on last week only. It's not based on this week when they vote. It's impossible to do it. Um, and that's why we got rid of once ranked, always ranked, because week one was so wide open. Uh, but I'm always fascinated about who sneaks in in the bottom, because that does change the equation across the country for a lot of teams. And I want to stress something else. It's results versus regionally ranked opponents. It's not win-loss percentage. I remember we got in this conversation a number of years ago where one team was 2-1 and one in the region and another team was 5-5. Five and five. And The argument back was, well, they played a double-round robin in their conference and they shouldn't. Those, not all those should be in their favor. Yeah, but you ranked them. Um, it's not because 2-1 and is better than 5-5 five and five as a percentage. It's results. What did you do in that game? How did that game progress? Where was that game played? They dive into all that, Ryan. Well, right, and that's one of the things that that non-con – SOS is going to help them with. Yeah. If that 5-5 five and five team is really just there because of their conference, that'll show up in the non-conference SOS. They'll be able to see that real easily and pull that out and, and compare that and use that as, as part of their analysis. Well, and back to that Swarthmore-Lycoming conversation. The fact that their SOS numbers are almost identical and Swarthmore has a 577 um, non-conference SOS, how bad is the Centennial Conference SOS numbers? Yeah, they're not good this year. <laughs> Amazingly, considering what we're talking about at the top. Yeah. Yeah, and then on the flip side of that, Lycoming in the in the Commonwealth has got a porrid non-conference. By the way, this is why I was arguing they weren't a top 25 team. They played nobody this year. They have a horrible non-conference SOS number, and yet they're up at above 500 because the Commonwealth, at least, usually from top to bottom, is pretty darn competitive and goes and proves it outside of conference. Well, and that, I don't know if you wanted to do our last discussion we talked about, but that would be a good segue. Um, you and I are both scratching our heads a little bit that, that Lycoming's still getting so many votes when Nichols is hardly getting any, and they've got very similar teams, very similar profiles. Uh, well, you and I have been in and out on, on Nichols. Let's finish on this. You and I have been in and out on Nichols for much of the season. We've loved Nichols early, had the injury. You and I kind of lost love because clearly that was a key part. He comes back, and still they're not playing great. So you and yep. I kind of went, all right, wait and see. Now they're playing really darn well again, and I like what they have in terms of a resume, and yet voters have been – him and, and I and to be honest with you, I don't know who the voters are, but they've been hanging on Lycoming really hard for much of the season, despite the fact that you go diving into those numbers, Lycoming's w opponent winning percentage is not that good, and their out of conference schedule is nothing to talk about. 
Nichols, at least, has something interesting. Well, maybe a similar resume, but they're not getting any attention. Well, right. I mean, Nichols had that patch in the middle where we were scratching our heads, and that's pretty much been Lycoming's whole season, yes. <laughs> right? They're winning most of the games, but not by a lot, and they're losing games they shouldn't, and the team is just not playing the way that they, they have the talent to play. Um, Nichols, at least, you know, they lost that game at, at the University of New England that was just ugly, but since then, their closest game was 20 points, and that was at Endicott, which is sort of a big conference rivalry. Um, you know, they've been at 20, 25, 27, 31. I mean, they've really been dominating the way we expected them to because they've got a real solid team. Yeah. And they're, they're going to get into the tournament. They could be really scary. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're not a good matchup. They can score tons of points. Yeah. And they've got four guys who can score 20 on any given night. This is a really... Not a good matchup for a team that was already in the Sweet 16 last year. So and let's got be honest, it's not like the Northeast is scary this year. Oh, no. I, I mean, I don't think there's a team anywhere on the East Coast that they aren't capable of beating. I saw on the D3 board someone in the NESCAC, and no one replied, and I didn't have time, said, uh, does anyone see a NESCAC team make it to Salem this year? I don't. I don't care but how the, the bracket's set up. It, it wouldn't be surprising. Just given that the the eastern part of the country is even weaker than it, it. Yeah, I mean, oh. in that sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the bracket could allow them to get there because the East Coast hasn't been all that strong. But I, I don't think they're they're head and shoulders better. I think they can easily lose to a Nichols. They can lose to a a, a Swarthmore. They can lose to a an Odak team or somebody coming out of. I mean, geez, Hobart <laughs> could probably beat a couple of those NESCAC squads. Oh well, that's the thing is, you know, I I think there's probably twenty five teams. Yeah. Uh, along the east coast there who could get to salem yeah based on how the bracketing normally goes but if the nascat gets five teams in their odds are pretty oh. good <laughs> the nascat gets five teams in i'm gonna scream <laughs> it's nothing against the nascat but it, it's all it's it's bad numbers i mean yeah. even dave hickson on this show says the top of the conference isn't great but there's a lot of good teams and i don't disagree with them i think the nascat's extremely competitive and they went and proved that but there's nobody great in this conference, and they shouldn't get five teams in because they can throw up some gaudy numbers. I'm hoping the committee at least looks that through to some degree, though I think they're going to lose enough that it's not going to be part of the conversation anyway. Yeah, hopefully when it comes down to we see the teams that are in and the bracketing can get creative enough that, that we can even this up a little bit and give everybody a good shot at it. But I, I'm excited. I really think this tournament's going to be one of the least predictable that we have had in a very long time, and I'm just now realizing I have to write the preview for the site, so I'm going to look silly. But I'll give it a good go, and I'm excited to see those games. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> I, I thought last year was wide open. I think this year is going to be even more wide open. I think we've got less of a chance of understanding who gets to Salem this year, and I think it's going to be fun. Uh, last question before we go. Jay asks, were you and Ryan surprised to see Lancaster Bible uh, make the, fi the first regional rankings? No, the first regional rankings don't have all the data in there, and their numbers, yeah, they have a below 500 SOS, but <laughs> East Region, after a certain point, doesn't have a lot of great teams. This is uh, the East has been a little weak the last couple of years, and yeah. it's really weak this year. Yeah. I mean, this it's just not a great. Year I was more surprised East that East. Rochester was number one. They're they were number three, Dave. Were they three? Oh, I'm thinking of the women. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking of the women. Uh, Rochester well, at number three. Rochester is a little high in my mind. Well, you're right, and they won't be there because they've now lost four or five. They're going to tumble. Um, yeah, we're talking about the. Wheels coming off the bus. 
There, there just aren't a lot of great options. No, uh, you got to rank eight. I'm not surprised Lancaster Bible's ranked. No, not it, in any way. And we have to remember that that was a change last year when they tried to get the the comp, the regions more even in terms of number of ranks. It used to just be six, right, for the East. So no, it was six in the East, five in the Atlantic, and something like eight right. or ten in the Mid Atlantic. And so they're already ranking more teams than they normally, at least traditionally, have. At least so, publicly, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, right, we that, should point out they rank deep anyway, but yeah, publicly they were we're seeing more than we normally would. So yeah, I'm not that surprised. And week one again is week one. Um. It's why, you know, now that once ranked, always ranked's gone, week one is just a nice idea of what's going on, gives you a sense of where teams sit and what the committee, gives you an insight on what the committee's thinking. But we don't really learn a lot until week two. Yeah, we'll know a lot more this week. Yep. All right, sir, I'm going to let you go. Anything final for everybody before we uh, sign off with you? Other than I was really excited to see Saul Ross on there. I'm a believer. Uh, Hopefully they'll be able to, to win that conference tournament and and make a showing in the end days but i really think the team's good and if you guys get a chance to tune into the web stream they've really got a, a fun team to watch and i think they're pretty talented yeah i'm, I'm gonna try and get a game uh, of theirs uh in, in the rest of the way here I, i'm glad to see they're also going to be uh, having the asc tournament there it gives me a good excuse to watch them out there as well so uh hey thanks for your time as always sir we'll talk to you soon see you later dave Ryan Scott joining us on the City of Salem Skype hotline. Um, That's going to do it for us. Not much more to talk about. Ryan and I pretty much covered it all. Reminder, regional rankings come out on Wednesday. Uh, You can get your fun uh, with that on Wednesday afternoon once we get them up on the website. You can go to d3hoops.com for that. And don't forget that um, uh, Hoopsville will be a podcast on Thursday. It is not going to be live. I have a, a prior engagement I need to take care of. So we will get some interviews put together on Wednesday and Thursday and and put that up as a podcast at some point on Thursday. But it will not be live. We'll be back on the air live on Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Of course, you can get more of your information on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can get it on uh, Instagram when we tease what we're doing at D3Hoopsville as well. Of course, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, And don't forget, uh, you can join us on Instagram as well where we tweet out the show at D3Hoopsville there as well. Um, I think I mentioned that one. I apologize. Kind of got repetitive there. And you can email us questions like the rest of you did. And we want to thank you for inter- interacting with us. Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. I want to thank our guests tonight. They include Lauren Johnson at Rippon, Kelly Thompson at Roger Williams, Cliff Carroll at Solros State, and, of course, Ryan Scott on the double take. And, of course, all of you for interacting with the show as well. We're going to sign off. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, the city of Salem for their support of our show. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will be back with a podcast on Thursday, live show again on Sunday. Enjoy it. And uh, this should be a, this is a great time of year and we hope you're enjoying it as well. Take care and we'll talk to you soon. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3hoops.com. This copyrighted broadcast is the, the sole propriety of us at DMAC productions and Hoopsville. If you want to use it for anything, please contact us for some permissions. Thanks everybody. And good night.